Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Brent Conway, the founder and editor of Indiansports.com. And we have a fascinating discussion with Brent that we will bring you coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group and our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. At the end of today's show, we are back after a week off last week. Yours truly enjoyed some time off in Tampa, celebrating the uh, 4th of July and having a great time with family and friends. But we are back in the saddle again. And uh, Thomas is uh, here with me as well, Thomas Bridges. And uh, Tom, uh, man, we're, we're, we're living large, the summer of Jones, of course. And... You know, just after the time off, now I'm back on the road in Phoenix next week, and you're off to Cabo as well. So uh, we're certainly uh, taking advantage of these uh, the summer months here, these uh, last uh, few weeks. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm going close to Cabo. I'm going to Cancun. But when Mexico, as long as you're on the beach somewhere, it really doesn't matter where you're going. So actually, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna end up driving to Dallas tomorrow. I don't have to wake up super early. Flight leaves at noon, but I really don't want to drive super early in the morning all the way to Dallas and figure out Dallas Fort Worth. So I think I'm going to drive to Dallas tomorrow and just get that knocked out. That way I can wake up and go. And Jones, I'm gonna. Would you? Here, here's my question for you today, and I'm, I'm debating. Right, so I can go deep sea fishing, and I, I like to fish, but I'm not the guy that has a fishing pole in hand all the time. Like, I, I mean, it's been probably two years since I've last fished, right? I'm not an avid, not an I'm not a bass master by any means. Um, but I have fished offshore before and it was a blast. Or, Jones, tell me this. I'm, I'm interested to see. I know you don't like petting zoos. I know that's not your, <laughs> not your forte at all. But would you jump off a boat into the open ocean and swim with a whale shark? Oh, uh, you know, I think that might be a no for me. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know that whale sharks aren't supposed to be as dangerous, but it's still a shark. I might have to draw the line right there. Yeah, see, there was another one where you could swim with bull sharks. And I was like, no, I don't know why anybody would want to do that. Uh, well, sharks though, big as like two school buses. Uh, I'm like, you know what? I just might end up doing that. I now listen, obviously I'm not going to be on the show next week, but for whatever reason, if you don't hear from me, either two things could have happened. I could have got kidnapped or I just decided to quit my job and host karaoke for the resort. And you might never hear from me again. I love that idea. Wouldn't that be the dream? Just doing karaoke on a boat? Yeah, just at a resort on a boat, just down there in Mexico. Just say, hey, you can pay me that however much. Just put me up in a room, and I'll just host your karaoke every night. <laughs> that would, yeah, that's probably, maybe that's, maybe that's retirement goals. Tom, I went from being on a yacht in Clearwater to hanging out with you today. So what does that say about me? I guess that means you're pretty versatile. <laughs> no offense to you, but uh, I, I do. I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, if you if you if you partied with Tom for a week, you might not, we, we might not be doing the show right now. We might be in bed, hungover. 
<laughs> Taking that vitamin B12, I tell you what. Uh, yeah, man, you'd have to have that on deck for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of when I was in Tampa, by the way, I finally met our guy TJ Reeves. He actually exists. He's a real guy. That's like Nolan. I mean, we, there are so many people I feel like that's been part of the show that we haven't met. But you just met TJ. We met Nolan. I'm actually speaking of Nolan. I'm about to go meet up with his his goofy self uh, in like two months from today or like two months in a week. So this was the part about TJ that caught me off guard, Tom. I didn't realize the guy is like six foot four. Really? Yes. He looks like he's ready to go play basketball right now. I mean, hey, maybe <laughs> I guess how old is he? DJ's like in his mid forties. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's so crazy. How where'd you guys meet up at? Obviously in Tampa, but so he picked me up from the airport, and then uh, we went to lunch at a uh, at some like hot sandwich place that was within like this big old shopping district in Tampa that was like the nicest mall I've ever seen. That is incredible. When you're rolling with TJ Reeves, you're rolling high. Like, this guy uh, doesn't mess around. I mean, I think not. I mean, he just covered the Super Bowl. He better be rolling high. <laughs> when you're Buck's sideline guy, I mean, uh, you just you just tell the world, Buck, you. And There you go. <laughs> took, a, took an old trip to Tampa Bay, huh? That was the other thing. Uh I did not wear any Chiefs gear down there. I, I didn't want to be berated the, my during my vacation. No, I wouldn't have wore anything either. That would be like me going to Miami and wearing a Spurs shirt after the 2013 finals. I would have never. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, great times. And uh, I'm looking forward to Phoenix. You ever been to Phoenix? I have not. I, I went to Arizona last summer, but I was in you know the northern part uh, where the Grand Canyon's at. But uh, I've heard Phoenix is nice. You'll be maybe – I'm trying to think. If you'll be there, when are you leaving? So I would leave Wednesday of next week, and there is a chance that I could be going to game five uh, if there is a game five. I'm hoping there's a game five just so you can go. Maybe you can meet Suns and Four guy. He's. Uh, did you see him hanging out with Jamal Murray? I did. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, he's literally gotten one fight, put his four fingers up, said Suns and Four, and now he's a celebrity. Now, if I meet Suns and Four guy and it's game five, then what's he doing there? Shouldn't he be gone? I mean, yeah, he could be. You know he's going to be there. I feel like he's probably – you know he's probably getting tickets on the DL. <laughs> maybe I need he's to – got to. Maybe I need to hit him up to get in. You should. You you know, I would – I here's the thing about you, Jones. Somehow you won't even have a ticket, and somehow you'll still get in. I don't know how you're going to do it just yet, but I won't be shocked when you do. You might go to jail, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be the first time you were faced with an arrest, a potential arrest. You know, I mean, sometimes you, you got to be a your life of your life of crime and trespass. <laughs> and uh, I'm very good at not getting caught on that. 
Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I aspire to be as sneaky as you. you I don't know how once. you do. I don't know how you do it. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> you only live once. You got to take advantage of it. Like you got, you, you, you got. I mean, you were born with a set of balls that no one can achieve, in, in terms of just bleep me here doing whatever the fuck. i don't know how you do it <laughs> you know there's sometimes i'm like i get myself into situations and and maybe i need one of those bracelets instead of what would jesus do what would tyler do here and, and the answer is always sneak in to wherever and go i think it's a substitute for my uh uh Lack of uh, interest in petting zoos. My my fear of uh, touching animals. You wouldn't. You you're telling me you wouldn't sneak into a petting zoo. <laughs> I might sneak in, but I'm not touching anything. <laughs> you weren't. You weren't afraid of seeing the goat in in uh, Tampa Bay. You wouldn't. Not a goat fan. <laughs> I'll stay away from the goats. Uh, I don't want to get bitten. Uh, that's uh, that's where I, I draw the line. <laughs> oh my gosh! Speaking of uh, <laughs> goats, actually, I don't know how to really transition from that. The NBA Finals. <laughs> we were talking about Phoenix a moment ago. The uh, now Suns, we're talking about goats. Yeah, <laughs> the Suns take Game One over Milwaukee. Giannis did play. He had over twenty points. Chris Paul was. Phenomenal. DeAndre Ayton played good. Devin Booker played well. Uh, Suns in complete control to a win game one of the NBA Finals. Um, Tom, you know, I, I look at this series and and uh, with Giannis playing, but not at 100%. Um, you know, if he were playing here, I think you're talking about a potential seven-game series, but if you're playing at 100% here. But I don't think that we're going to see Giannis play at his full potential this series. The Suns are just doing everything right right now, uh, clicking on all cylinders. Monty Williams has done a heck of a job, like we've been talking about all postseason long here. Um, I, I'm looking at this, and, and and I think that the Suns, you know, what, what I would point to is that we've seen the last several NBA champions – it's been kind of right place, right time, right? You know, the Warriors, uh, one of their first championships, they they won. Every team within their way had a significant injury that they dealt with, and the Warriors were completely healthy. And you'll get the Suns team, um, you know, they, they ran into uh, an injured Lakers team, an injured uh, Clippers team, um, and uh, now here they are uh, – going up against a shorthanded Bucks team. And I'm not taking away from anything the Suns have done. The Suns have played phenomenal here. But it feels like everything is just setting up the Suns' way to uh, take care of this series uh, pretty handily. I think they get this done in in five or six. Um, you know, they, 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 they look like a significantly better team than Milwaukee in game one. I think they're in good good shape here the rest of the way out. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul played – maybe one of the best games I've ever seen all around. He was, he was unstoppable. And it, it, you can tell Chris Paul is on a mission, right? And I've seen some good Chris Paul playoff games, but none like this, not ever. 
And I've watched many of Chris Paul games, him including beating my Spurs uh, in game seven. How Like, what was that, 20, I don't know, 2015, 2016. Clippers Unlimited, Spurs, and Chris Paul was excellent. But I've never seen Chris Paul look like this. You can tell he's on a mission. I don't know if it's because of Devin Booker. Him and Aiton have a connection like I've never seen. Uh, I mean, yeah, we saw Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. That was as close. That That is as close as this DeAndre Aiton-Chris Paul hookup connection. I mean, it's incredible to watch. Uh, Mikel Bridges, incredible as well. Freaking Cameron Payne. He's like a he's, – he's so he's, – he's freaking manageably chaotic. I don't know. He's just in, incredibly chaotic, and it he works. Was, he was ridden for dead. The Thunder didn't want him. The Bulls didn't want him. And all of a sudden, he's come to life in Phoenix. And he's killing it. I mean, he's chaotic good in the best way. It, like I said, he is chaotic like Manu Ginobili is chaotic. You know, he, he could he could literally – I Jones, I saw this play, or I was watching the sequence in the game. He literally goes down, bricks the three, comes back, and in the most chaotic fashion, literally gets past the ball, boom, jacks another one. And I was like, no way, drains it. And I'm like, okay, well, all right, shoot or shoot. Literally, eight blocks a shot, gets this ball back, back out to Cameron Payne, boom, shoots another one, drains it. And the crowd's going wild at this point. Goes back down, comes back, literally jacks another one. Misses at that time, but just – no regard for human life shooting the ball. I'm, I'm sure Monty Williams feels the same way about Cameron Payne that Popovich felt about Ginobili when, when he first came in. Just absolutely chaotic good. I'm not comparing Cameron to Ginobili in talent-wise, but in the same chaotic, that's how I'm comparing them. But, Jones, they're clicking on all cylinders. It's Suns and Six or GTFO. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I, I think that's the case. And, you know, you, you look at in these playoffs, Tom, it, it seems like that, you know, for these championship teams, you have to have one guy rise to the occasion that steps up and plays playoff basketball. You know, I, I look back when the Mavs won their championship, J.J. Barea came out of nowhere and played uh, you know, the, the best basketball of his life. Um, you look at even the Lakers last year, Kyle Kuzma played really good. And then we saw him fall apart, you know, this past year, he wasn't the same player he was in the postseason last year for the Suns, It's Deandre Ayton. We're seeing him play very similar to what Dwight Howard was in his prime. And Deandre Ayton was a guy that, you know, just a few months ago, people were saying, you know, what the hell were the Suns thinking drafting him instead of Luca or Trey Young? Uh, and now, you know, yes, is he as good as those guys? No, but uh, he is coming into his own and a valuable piece. I mean, you could argue that the Suns would not be in this spot if Luca or Trey Young were in this position instead of uh, DeAndre Ayton right now. I mean, DeAndre Ayton has uh, come alive and been a valuable piece to uh, this Suns team. I mean, they are they, they would not be here without DeAndre Ayton right now. He is uh, 
really coming into his own and looks like one of the best centers in all of basketball right now. I think so. And, and he can not only score, but he's a rebounding machine and he can defend. There's no way the Suns are in this position. Yeah, they might have scored more, but Aiton can, you know, kind of shut down that paint where Giannis is just running into like a like a bull in a china shop like he does. Uh, he's, you know, and, and not really super big into foul trouble ever. I've never heard an issue with him being in foul trouble all the time. I mean, he's a smart player, uh, team player. And I mean, he had like 20 rebounds the other night. He's the, he's the only person in the first, in his first final games to put up a 15, 15 game since freaking Tim Duncan. That's good. That's a good place to be. Uh, I mean, it's, he, I, and he's, you know, he's not super flashy. I don't feel like he talks, you know, he's not smack talking like Trey Young does. He's just out there getting it done. And Jones, you know, I think this comes down to, and then I'd hate to say this, because I'm I'm not a huge Chris Paul fan, to be honest. I, I appreciate his game, but I'm not a huge fan. Uh, it comes down to freaking Chris Paul. That, you know, we talk a lot about what, you know, how good of a job Monty Williams has done. I'll tell you who's going to be a coach after they retire. It's going to be Chris Paul, and he's going to be incredible. <clears throat> he's yeah. he's he demands he demands you know discipline on the court. You can see it. Uh, I mean, it's it's very evident. And and he's a he's a player and he's a coach. And not to take away from Monty Williams, but the Suns obviously would not be where they are at today without Chris Paul. Uh, I mean, he does it everywhere he goes. He does. Um, you know, I, I think that what you look at with Chris Paul, as far as his role goes, you know, as this, uh, you know, player slash coach role that he's in is that he's figured out everyone's role. Right. Um, you know, one of the things I, I always remember of when I, I called a lot of high school basketball was, you know, talking to coaches, they would, the thing that they would say all the time is that, hey, we spend three quarters of our season just trying to figure out, you know, our players' roles of where they belong and trying to get them to mesh and play together. Chris Paul came in day one and said, this is what your role is going to be with this team. You don't see DeAndre Aiden trying to hit 20-foot jump jumpers or trying to take outside shots. He knows that he's best inside the paint and getting buckets down there. He's not trying to do the Joel Embiid or Blake Griffin thing of trying to shoot everywhere, even though he's best uh, down low. I mean, he knows what he's supposed to do. Devin Booker uh, has not taken a back seat. Uh, he knows where he belongs, that Chris Paul makes him better, that Chris Paul's opening up more things for him and that they've been a good pairing and such. Uh, you know, Chris – Chris Paul also, I think you look at his offensive game, that when he's needed to turn it on, I know that we talk about Chris Paul being kind of the last traditional point guard that we see in basketball. But if he's been feeling it from three-point range or, you know, whatever it may be, I mean, he's been able to turn it on scoring-wise too um, and, and play his role of that part. So I think that's the biggest thing when you're trying to narrow this down what has Chris Paul brought to the Phoenix Suns? What has he brought to the Valley? It's that he's taught these guys what their roles are, and they figured out pretty quickly, and they're all on the same page. And that goes back to Chris Paul. Yeah, it does. You can, I mean, you can tell he's 
he's the smartest player on the court at all time. Uh, you know, every every point in the game, you can just see how he just he's a floor general. I mean, they you look up the basketball floor general, he should be the picture. It's incredible to watch. Um, and he's always been incredible to watch. But that that first game was, you know, I'm, I'm always super biased and I always got to put the Spurs into it. That first game by the Suns reminded me of 2014 final Spurs. It reminded me of the beautiful game. I mean, the passing was there. Chris Paul couldn't – essentially could not miss. Uh, Brooke Lopez even landed on his foot. It was kind of a scary Kawhi Zaza Pachulia moment. Uh, hit that three. He found he was finding the spots on the floor, dishing it to Booker. Uh, you know, and I'll, Jay Crowder couldn't hit a shot. If if the basket was an ocean, the man's not even hitting water, not even getting close on uh, on on Tuesday night, not even anywhere near. But he was doing the things you, you mentioned. You mentioned DeAndre Ayton and and how Chris Paul, you know, demands that. You know, you play your role, you know where you're good at, and you stick to it, and we're going to be a team. Jay Crowder does the same thing, you know, and, and I don't know if that's a Chris Paul thing or is if it's just a Jay Crowder effect. I mean, he's good wherever he goes. Um, but Jay Crowder, defensively solid, rebounding solid, passing solid. He still took his shots and missed, but he was still doing other things that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. Everybody in this Suns team is just playing a role. And I, right now, they're playing some of the best basketball, like I said, since I've seen since 2014 finals Spurs. It's, it's, dude, that Tuesday game was incredible. What's refreshing, too, about this Suns team is that they're still showing that the game can be played in the traditional fashion. We have seen – that since the Warriors popped up of this jump shooting team, that everybody's wanted to be like the Warriors and, you know, try to jack up threes all day and, uh, you know, play four guards and such, you know, especially in the college and the high school game that people try to model themselves after the Warriors. And the fact is that uh, the reason why the Warriors worked was, oh, yeah, they had four all-stars to do it that could all shoot from three-point range here. Um, you know, it did change the game, yes, uh, but a lot of it changed it for the worse, uh, you know, not, not for the better for the way the Warriors played. You look at this Phoenix Suns team, the way that they can dominate down low, that they can have a traditional point guard, have a traditional shooting guard, um, and play defense uh, the way that they do too. Um, it's refreshing to see that this brand of basketball, and it, I, I hope that this sends a message to the rest of the basketball world that there's more than just one way to win. You don't have to be a crazy jump shooting team uh, to win basketball games. That you can still win in a traditional fashion of sorts, more so like we're seeing with this Phoenix Suns team. I hope this team has a generational impact that people realize just how good uh, the, the Suns got it and that you can still win this way. I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's 2014 Spurs. I mean, they talk about the beautiful game all the time because right after the Spurs won, then it was the Warriors. And then we got into this generational – It's and, and I appreciate that because when I was playing basketball, I was always a three-point guy. I, I, 
That's just mine was three and D outside. I was rolling around on the perimeter. Just that's what was my spot. So I appreciate that for what it is. It inspired a whole generation to start taking the three-point shot. Now you see LaMelo taking half-court shots, Trey Young hitting it from the logo. The, the, the three-point has been revolutionized. But now I think the Suns are – I'm not going to say the end of that because it's that is going to be inspired by – a whole. that's inspired a whole generation, the three-point ball game. But – the Suns, like I said, are playing the same type of ball that the 2014 Spurs were, uh, and it and it was a it. You said it, it was re- re- very refreshing to watch, because it's not pull up, jack a shot, rebound, other team goes down, jack a shot, miss. You know, that's not the, the. You're not taking turns from long range. You're you're playing smart. You're playing, you know, give up a shot to get a better shot. You know, you're playing tough inside basketball, especially Aiden, obviously, down there. Uh, I mean, I mean, freaking Cam Johnson, too. I don't know. We haven't even mentioned him. He was he was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, he played well. I mean, both Cams played played out of this world good. And and like you said, it's it's refreshing to see. We haven't seen this style of ball, I don't think, since the 2014 Spurs. Um and, you know, I, I can honestly say, and we obviously wanted the Lakers out immediately, me and you both. We were, we are a, we are a Laker hater podcast. I will say that for you too. We don't like the Lakers here. Um, They're very anti-Lakers and anti-Warriors. Yes. I mean, at this point, anti-Nets. I know you don't like KD for reasons that right. don't even need to be said. So it was so it is Jones. It's so freaking refreshing not to have a Lakers Nets finals. Jesus, I I thoroughly have just we're one game into this and I am enjoying this finals like I haven't in a long time. My I'm team's not you. even in it. I'm with you. Um, how about the other side for Milwaukee here? We, we mentioned that Giannis isn't 100%. The fact that he's even playing is uh, pretty incredible right now with the injury that he suffered as many thought it was potentially a torn ACL, but he's out there, you know, he, he played all right for considering the circumstances, but the reality for the Milwaukee Bucks is that Giannis is not going to be 100% this entire series. And more than likely, he's not going to be the best player for the Bucks. Chris Middleton probably will be. And Middleton's an all-star in his own right. You know, he's uh, turned into a really good player. He'll be on the Olympic team and such here in in, uh, in Tokyo here in, in just a few weeks. Um, and Chris Middleton played well in uh, game one. But they are going to need Chris Middleton to carry the load and be the guy, as well as Drew Holiday and all these others. But for Milwaukee to have a chance in this series, Tom, I feel like they're going to need Chris Middleton to be option number one and to have, and to play great every single night in this series. Uh, you know, it's a lot of pressure for a guy that probably wasn't even a household name, even just a couple of weeks ago. I know he was a great college player too. Uh, Middleton was, but uh, that's the guy I think they need to step up. Uh, he did, yes, he did play well in game one, but they're going to need him to play like that every single night if they're going to have a chance. I mean, yeah, Giannis isn't going to be 100%. And, and the fact that he was out there, granted, okay, he, he hyperextended his knee. I've hyperextended my knee before. And I, as soon as I got up after I did it, 
I immediately collapsed. Now, I'm not an athletic freak like Giannis Antetokounmpo is by any means, not even not even a percentage of what he is, but it's still the same injury, and I literally couldn't walk. Um, so the fact that he's even playing is 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 pretty phenomenal, but you know, it's the finals. I don't, I don't blame him. It's not a KD injury where he forced it anyway. And then obviously injured it and had to sit out the whole next season. A hyperextension is not going to ruin you, but I get it. It's the finals. You got to play. I mean that the bucks, this is long overdue for the bucks to be in the finals, to be honest, but you mentioned Chris Middleton. He's, he's going to have to really step up. And and if the Bucks pull off this series, it's going to be because of Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday, great defender. He's He's got to step up a little bit more, I feel like, and he can. I, I know he's got that in him. I'll tell you who's going to be the big determining factor and, and where a lot of that Suns, uh, you know, second-half lead started to grow. It's because DeAndre Ayton, and he's getting all these rebounds. The man had, like, 19 rebounds at the end of the third quarter. It was in, It was insane. Uh, tell you who's going to have to step up and, and, and put baby in a corner is going to have to be Brooke Lopez. Uh, I mean, he can, he can shoot the three and he can space the floor a little bit. Uh, but if, if Deandre Aiden's just eating him alive in the paint every night, it's, it, I'm, I got a side with sons and four that they're going to have to figure some out. Uh, PJ Tucker, it, you know, he was obviously locked down on, on KD and I mean, not lockdown, but that was the whole, you know, debacle of PJ Tucker and, and Kevin Durant. He's going to have to do something. Uh, you saw, you know, I saw got a lot of minutes too. Is Pat Connaughton. Um, he's, he can maybe be a game changer. You, you talk about Bryn Forbes, former Spurs, saw him getting a few shots up. Uh, Budenholzer, Mike Budenholzer, great coach. Great coach. I think he's going to make some adjustments. I think he can. I think he will. Uh, I think he understands that Giannis, there's, there's no way you can let, uh, you know, I would say 70% Giannis Antetokounmpo run like a bull in a China shop uh, and, and win you the series. It's just not going to happen. Uh, you mentioned Chris Middleton again. I'll mention him again. He's going to have to step up. I think it comes down to him, and I think it comes down to Brooke Lopez well, uh, getting in the paint. Uh, Speaking of Brooke Lopez, I know that he's older, Tom, that he's not the player that he was a couple of years ago. I get that. But at some point, doesn't it become embarrassing for Brooke Lopez? Like, shouldn't they expect more out of him than to give up that many rebounds and to let DeAndre Ayton do his thing? I mean, like, there's got to be a sense of pride involved here. I mean, Brooke, you were an all-star not too long ago. And he's had a solid career. He's got, you know, the size, the athleticism. I mean, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez is a solid player. There's no reason why that he should not be able to step up and contain DeAndre Ayton to some extent. Um, You know, yes. He's he's, he's bigger than Ayton. Right. In weight and in height. DeAndre Ayton will get his. I get that. But at some point, you know, a sense of pride's got to get involved here. I mean, like, you know, I mean, a, a, a gut check, a, a sense of, uh, you know, you know, are, is your intestinal fortitude there or not? I, 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 I question the heart of Brooke Lopez if we don't see him slow down DeAndre Ayton to some extent because, you know, all I mean, man's was getting he, man's. He got, Jones, he got 
not only embarrassed, straight up outclassed. There, I mean, there were rebounds that that there's no way Aiton should have had. And I'm not taking away from Aiton. We, I mean, right. I don't, I don't even know if you have to mute this. We just jacked off the Suns for 15 minutes. <laughs> right? We did. I mean, we did. Rightfully so. Freaking rightfully so. But Brooke Lopez, I don't think Brooke Lopez listens to this show. But if he does, he needs to step it the f- up, or the Bucks are going home in four. <laughs> are, are we a, are we a Brook Lopez? We're calling out Brook Lopez if he doesn't step it up. Are we a, a Brook Lopez Peter podcast? He uh, he joins the hit list with uh, with Billy Donovan. Don- yes, he does. Mike Gundy. <laughs> Who else have we shot all down the backside? I'm trying to think. <laughs> nothing, nothing will ever beat that Billy Donovan rant ever. That's a that's a gold moment. Brooke Lopez, if you don't get it together, you're going to be playing for Billy Donovan in Chicago next year. Yeah, he might. I mean, he's you know in his 30s. Uh, I don't I don't know that I would want to call Chicago my retirement home or my retirement team, but. Golly, Brooke Lopez is playing like it right now. I mean, you got to think he's in the finals. Aiden had like, I think, I mean, I said 19 earlier. I think at the end of the third quarter, he had 16 rebounds. Still, it, it doesn't matter. You're letting a guy who is is young come in and do you like that. Uh, it, it just absolutely, it just took him away from the game. There, there were only, I didn't even realize Brooke Lopez was even playing until he hit a couple of threes from way outside. The man is seven foot 280. You got to be down in that paint. If Chris Paul was on the Bucks, he would be throwing a fit right now. I mean, Giannis is not going to bail him out. He's done it before. He'll do it again, but it ain't going to happen this series. I mean, your, your, your Lord and Savior Giannis Antetokounmpo is not going to come save your ass this series. And it would be unfair to say that he can bail you out of this situation. I think Budenholzer will make some changes. I think Suns win game two, and I think Bucks win game three. Game four, it could, you know, if, if the Suns win game four, I think they turn around and win it in Phoenix in five. If the Bucks can notch it up, then we'll see. But I, I think when it gets back to Milwaukee, I think Budenholzer have some changes up his sleeve. At least I hope. He's, he's, he's a capable coach. He, he knows what to do. He knows how to make changes. I mean, so does Monty Williams, both both Popovich's disciples. But uh, golly, some Jones, I'm calling out Brooke Lopez. I think he's going to have a rebound game, pun intended. He better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you thinking Suns in five? I'm saying Suns in six. I said Suns in six uh, before the series began, but. Based on the way game one went and the more you look into game one of Brooke Lopez not being able to have anything for DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul doing his thing, Devin Booker is going to play better than what he did in game one. I mean, he played good, but he's his, he'll play better. Um, it makes you think, like, what what can the Bucks really do? I mean – if like I said, it goes back to 2014 Spurs that he had nothing for them. It looks it looks kind of the same. Here's the you mentioned the size and the measurements of Brooke Lopez. Um, rebounding, it helps if you have size. It does. 
but it's not what it comes down to. It comes down to effort. And, you know, every, every junior high basketball coach even knows that, that rebounding comes down to effort. And, and There's that's, no blocking out. Right. That's the thing I see with Brooke Lopez is it, when we question his manhood, when we question all that, it is a effort. You have all these skills and these tools there, and you have nothing to show for. I mean, eight, and I think it's 6'10", 6'11", 250. So you got an inch. Let's call it an inch to be nice and 30 pounds on him. And size matters. I mean, yeah, it freaking does, especially in game one of the finals. If you're not out there, if you're not out there swinging it around, then why even be out there? I mean, granted, Brooke Lopez has been there, done that type of thing. He's been on multiple teams. I don't, to be honest, I don't even know. I'm, I'm assuming Brooke Lopez has a championship, but I don't know. I don't think he, I'm going to, I'm going to lean on the side of, I don't think he does yet. I don't know that. I'm trying to, I'm going through all my teams in my mind. He's been all over. Uh, I don't think he has a championship yet. Brooke Lopez has never won a championship. No, I didn't think so. I was thinking not. And I didn't think, I don't even know if he's been there before. But if even if let's say he hasn't been to the finals before, I don't I maybe mean, he's been to however many teams. I, if I had a dollar for every team that I could think of Brooke Lopez might be on, I'd probably have six or seven dollars. Uh, he's played for um, three teams. He's played for Brooklyn, the Lakers, and now the Bucks. Right. So I mean he's 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 been around, but he's not acting like it. Aiden, I'll tell you what, I mean Aiden's younger, obviously, but Aiden looked like he wanted to be there. You know, out you know. I would even say Chris Middleton looked like he wanted to be there. Bryn Forbes looked like he wanted to be there. Yeah. Brooke Lopez did not look like he wanted to be there. What What's the thing that uh, that Bo says about uh, uh, oh uh, he, he says about Matt Ryan that every time he cashes a paycheck he's stealing money. That's how I feel yeah. like Brooke Lopez and the Bucks. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, dude, you're in the finals. Come on. Whoop his ass. Get down in there. I gotta he, say, doesn't have, he doesn't have any want to. Um, one more thing before we uh, get to uh, our interview with Brent Cobbley here in just a second. Tom, doesn't it feel like that this whole Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor controversy is almost out, <laughs> almost overshadowing the NBA Finals. I mean, this is uh, – I, I don't want to dive too much into it, uh, but this is a, a very uh, strange side story that uh, is getting a lot of, a lot of play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's getting a lot of play. And, and uh, what <laughs> – you sent me that tweet, something about Rachel Nichols not being the story. Uh, you know, don't be the, the story. She's almost as big as the finals now. Yeah, it's like, golly, Rachel. Like, I, you know, I don't even know. You know, I haven't looked into it too much, to be honest. I heard the conversation. I, I've read the, the Twitter threads. I've seen it all. But I haven't looked into it a whole, whole lot. But was the call private? Was that a private phone call not meant for anybody? Yeah, it was a call with one of LeBron's advisors uh, on Zoom and uh, somebody in Bristol uh, on ESPN in, uh, in production was on the line and recorded it and uh, linked it out to uh, the New York Times. I mean, 
is Rachel Nichols what she said? Is it wrong? Is it is it too woke for me to say it's wrong? I don't think it was right. I don't think it was right. I don't think it was. Listen, somebody will probably come for me, me saying this. I don't think it was right. Do I think it was completely wrong? Not necessarily. I don't think it was. Maybe it was coming from a place of ignorance. Maybe it wasn't. I don't think it was 110% race related. I think that had to have something to do with it just a wee bit, just a wee bit, just enough to make it a, a, a controversy. But I, I really think, and she didn't know she was being recorded, which, you know, you got to be on your, on your P's and Q's at all times. But I think a lot of that just came out of frustration, honestly. Yeah, um, and Maria Taylor's contract's about to come up here in a couple weeks. You got Rachel Nichols getting removed from the finals and – About to be removed from the jump, probably. They didn't even show the jump on the on a game one of the finals here. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of trouble in paradise right now uh, at Espen, it would appear. Yeah, I think so. I mean – Well, I mean – They ought to just bring us – you know – Here's how you solve your diversity is you bring in the, the Native American guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there you go. I mean, I I get I get where ESPN's coming from on that. And I this is not even any taken away. I think Ray Taylor was great. Uh every bit as good as Rachel Nichols, to be honest. And 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 the the only argument I think that Rachel Nichols can have at this point is that she's been there and done, right? She's this ain't her first rodeo. I don't even think necessarily this is I wouldn't even put I wouldn't even put Maria Taylor in in the first rodeo category. I mean, she has her accolades. She's great in her own right. She's great on college I think That's what I'm saying. I, I think she's great. I, I mean it's I don't think they I don't think as far as talent-wise and overall, you know, can do or qualified or just entertainment for entertainment purposes, they're on the same level. Uh, I, I don't think them replacing Maria Taylor with, you know, I don't think them replacing Rachel Nichols with Maria Taylor takes anything away. I don't even think it adds anything. I think it's, I think it's pretty equal in, in terms of talent and entertainment purposes. Uh, you know, I think that's pretty equal across the board. Uh, so sure, I get that. I'm with you. It's been there. There should be more diversity. I think for Rachel Nichols, I think that really came out of a, a place of frustration. Um, I mean, and I get it. I get it. You know, I've uh, there's maybe it's this is not on par at all, but it's the best I can do to make an analogy. Uh, I do like side hustling. I DJ and karaoke, and you know, I've, I've done places that that I've done for you know a year and a half, and then happened, and then they replaced me with somebody else. Was I a little bit frustrated? Yeah, a little bit. Am I? Do I think that I'm a, a, a more capable or better at doing what I do side hustling than the person that they replaced me with? Yes, I be because I I think very highly of myself in that regard. Um, but I'm not gonna go and like talk about it and I, and you know or tweet about it or bitch about it. And I, but I get that for Rachel Nichols. This is the NBA Finals, not a side gig in Bartlesville, Oklahoma that you know pays just a wee bit about of money uh that's like i said that's the best i can do to make an analogy towards that but 
Yeah, I mean, it hurts. It's like, you know, you, you, you had that gig for however long or you were already on the bill for that gig and then you get replaced and you think you're, you know, good enough for that position and that, you know, you worked so hard and earned it or you, at least you think you've earned it and then it's, you know, kind of swapped you around real quick. I get that. That, that hurts. Um, but like I said, that's why I think it came out of a place of frustration. Does it have to do with race? Yes, I do think so. Just a wee bit. Should she be literally crucified on the cross for it? Probably not. Well, then um, uh, hearing like Wode say that Rachel's a bad teammate and uh, just all that's unfolded here. I mean, you know, NBA countdown has been a mess for over a decade and Inside the NBA is arguably the best show on television. It's amazing how different that is. I mean, um, you know, and I watched the game coverage. Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson do an incredible job uh, on the game broadcast. It's like night and day going from that studio show to the game broadcast. It's like, why, why would I even watch Countdown? You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't want, I don't even watch Countdown anymore. And if it's not, if it's not Chuck and Shaq and, and Kenny and Ernie, I'm not watching it. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, it doesn't e- matter. ESPN knows ESPN knows that they can't beat that, though. Right. I'm not watching whether it's Rachel or Maria or whoever. Like, no, nah, that's okay. So, anyway. I, get, I do. Last note on this, I get the frustration from Rachel. Was she right in doing it? Probably not. I would even err on the side of probably – no, she wasn't. But – I, and, and Jones, last thing for you here. Do you think Rachel is a Karen? Do you think she's? Do you think she's like high on her hog a little bit? I think she could be. Yes, Rachel would definitely be your your uh, white woman Karen. <laughs> she, I believe it. The description. Yes, uh, I would agree to that. Uh, coming up next, Sprint Cobb, we set to join us. Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, about this uh, NABI tournament in Phoenix that uh, we're going to be working to be a part of and some of the other things going on there. And uh, also got Coach Bose to join us for uh, the football fix uh, later on. Plus, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well as we continue here on the Jones Report. Stay with us. Joining us on the Jones Report this week is someone very familiar to me. But we haven't had him on the show in a long time. It is Brent Cowie. He is the editor-in-chief and founder of Indiansports.com. He and I are going to be covering the NABI tournaments in Phoenix next week. And so I want to get his perspective on that and also uh, touch on what's uh, going on in uh, Indian country when it comes to on uh, native athletes of sorts and Brent joins us right now Brent been a minute I know that you and I talk about every week but nonetheless always good to catch up my friend what's going on hey Tyler yeah it's great to be back on the show I know it's been a minute um since I've been on and and uh it's great to be back talking to you and be good to finally get each other to see each other in person you know we haven't had a lot of contact because of the pandemic so uh, I was commenting the other day that, you know, 2019 was the last time that we worked together in person. Uh, but like I said, we do keep in touch. We do social media, texts and stuff like that. So it'll be good to kind of see you in person again. Yes. Yeah. And, and we had to go all the way to Arizona to do it, nonetheless. But... <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we were in California last time. So, you know, we're moving. <laughs> I guess we're slowly moving east. Well, we're finally, you know. Indian sports is uh, relocating to the West Coast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
won't get any complaints from me if we do that. It's a nice weather out that way sometimes. Right. I'm looking forward to this dry heat out there. Oh my gosh. That's on my yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, you know, the Native American basketball invitational, or as some people refer to it as Nobby, uh, depending on your accent, it could be Nabby, it could be Nobby. Um, it's been going on 18 years now, and it's the largest Native American high school tournament um, in, in the country or in, in the nation for strictly for Native Americans. Um, you know, they have teams from all the reservations in the United States, um, Alaska Natives and um They've recently added international teams from New Zealand to compete in the tournament as well. So it's just become this huge thing where it started off as a 12 tournament thing 18 years ago, uh, 12 team tournament 18 years ago. And now you're up to 124, 128 teams or something to that effect. And it's just really grown something that the city of Phoenix uh, embraces. It's something that the Phoenix Suns helped start and embrace as well. So it's a really community um, driven event where you know you can go, you go downtown Phoenix and there's uh, advertisement on the buses, advertisements on the light poles and stuff like that. So it's a really great um, thing to experience um, for any basketball fan, no matter you know what your race is. Yeah, and uh, the Phoenix Suns seem to be involved of sorts. I mean, not only are they playing in the NBA Finals right now as we speak, Brent. But uh, they've been a big partner in uh, this tournament uh, coming together here. Uh, I-, I didn't really have a rooting interest going into this finals, but I think I might have one now. Yeah, you know, um, you know, one of the original co-founders of the Native American Basketball Invitational was Mark West. Um, at the time, you know, he was uh, a part of the staff with the Phoenix um, Suns um, management staff, and he was instrumental in helping getting that going. Um, with the championship games being at the Phoenix Suns Arena, um, mainly uh, Gina Marie uh, Scarpa, she keeps the tournament going now. And she's been, like I said, she's been doing it the whole 18 years. And she just does a really good job in working with the Phoenix Suns and, and keeping that relationship going. So these kids can experience, you know, playing a championship uh, game. And if, you know, the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns can run it out, it'll actually be a championship court that they can, they'll, they'll be playing on. So, um, but yeah, the Suns are really instrumental in, in, in supporting the cause and supporting the tournament. And uh, it's just a real good opportunity for the student uh, athletes to participate and play. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Brent, you know, I was telling some folks about this event and, and uh, somebody said to me, you know, well, wh- why don't we see, you know, uh, an Afri- African-American basketball tournament or uh, you know, wh- whatever it may be, Chinese American basketball tournament, whatever it is. And what, what does it do for Native Americans? And, and what came to mind, Brent, was that you have so many of these Native American communities that no one knows uh, the talent that they have and their, uh, you know, tapes not getting out there. They're not getting the attention and recognition. I mean, this is the whole purpose of the event really is just to give these guys and gals a platform. I mean, that they're not getting otherwise. Yeah, that's correct, Tyler. You know, when you think about native Americans um, in the history books uh, where there's hardly any information about native Americans in in your traditional educational system, um, what you have to understand that, you know, the reservations are in the unwanted countries of the uh, unwanted areas of the state where the land is, you know, the not, not the most useful. And 
they live in their own communities within these environments and they're typically hundreds of miles away from major cities. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned some of the other um, races of people and, you know, like for, I know Native Americans, um, you know, historically have the lowest representation when it comes to participating in college or professional um, sports, but, you know, and, and they have to overcome financial and health difficulties and social ills and stuff like that, as, as a lot of poor communities do with African Americans, you know, but their benefit to some degree is the fact that they are kind of poor in major cities, you know, you talk about the Windy City, you talk about Chicago and all the talent that comes out there. Uh, out of the inner city there. But for reservations, the closest reservation to Chicago is probably at least two, 300 miles away. You know, what college coach is going to travel out to the reservation that's going to take them a day, day and a half to get to to watch a kid play for maybe 30 minutes, you know? Um, and it's hard for those kids to get off the reservation and raise funds and get to the tournaments and pay the fees and uh, practice and play against some of the top level talent. Not that they can't compete, it's just really a financial difficulty where they hard to participate in a 12, 10, 12 game summer uh, travel experience. So what NAVI does is brings all of those teams to one area, one pro uh, in Phoenix um, and gives them an avenue to showcase their talents. Like I said, they get teams from Florida, um, New York, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, and so on and so forth, as well as the West Coast. So this really gives the student athlete an opportunity to be um, seen um, outside of their communities, as well as it's a, it's a cultural gathering um, of some sorts as well, because a lot of kids become lifelong friends from attending this tournament, because it's not just a regular tournament. They have educational seminars, um, they have uh, pool play, um, they have um, uh, a parade of teams. Uh, so there's a lot of things that go on besides basketball that they try to unite the kids um, together and, and I know a lot of kids talk about going for two or three four years and when they're finally done with it they're like man that was just the most amazing experience to see kids from other reservations because that I don't that doesn't always happen as well for a lot of students yeah it's uh it's really cool to see uh who are some of the players that have uh come through this over the years uh Brent anybody that folks might recognize or that have gone on maybe to, to play some uh, big time ball yeah, yeah. You know, just taking the cue from your background there, uh, you know, with the Kansas Jayhawks, um, I think one of the most, uh, one of the bigger players from, from back in the day was Angel Goodrich um, out of Sequoia Indian School in Oklahoma. Went on um, to WNBA, yeah. Yeah, she she played at the University of Kansas. Um, uh, she And she played in the NABI tournament for four straight years, and she won it three straight years. Um, she didn't went in her fourth year that she uh, came pretty darn close. And then, of course, she started her career at the University of Kansas and finished there and had an outstanding career where she led them to two NCAA tournament appearances. And, of course, as we know, she was drafted into the WNBA and had about a you know two or three year career uh, with various teams in the WNBA. But she's definitely somebody that's really been a positive story to come out of not just her tribal school, but the Navi tournament as well and uh, go on to be a, a good ambassador for herself and for her tribe. But Angel comes to mind as one of the top uh, girls players. And then uh, one of the top guys players right around the same time, his name was, um, oh my gosh, now I'm leaving, going blank on the name, but Wayne Runnels, um, he was out of uh, Oklahoma as well. And uh, he went on to play 
he spent a few years at a junior college, but he went on to play for the uh, University of Creighton, which is not too far from where you're at. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so he played two years of NCAA Division One basketball there, and uh, you know he's currently playing on the um, he's currently playing in the basketball league with the Enid Outlaws, who you know are um, had a pretty good season so far this year for themselves. But those two names stick out to me as, as people who, you know, people might know or remember from, from back in the day. But certainly every year, there's always uh, Division One Division One level talent that play at these tournaments and go on to have great names, um, uh, careers at their at the university, whether they're Power Five or non-Power Five teams as well. I mean, I can go on all day about some of the talent that's coming out of there um, on a consistent basis and stuff like that. But those are two big names right now that I think I, I can remember off the top of my head. Brent, the thing that stood out to me that attracted me to this event was um, the fact that this was not some small deal of sorts. The people that are around this, you know, we're going to be working with uh, our our friend Robert Judkins, who uh, used to be a a big time producer at the NFL Network and has, uh, you know, he's kind of the brains behind our operation, you know, the broadcast side of sorts and and uh, you know, we mentioned with the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury, you know, be involved in stuff here. I mean, they, they are not taking this event lightly. I mean, uh, they, they go all out for this thing, it seems. Yeah, I mean, in some regards for, for um, everyone involved, um, they look at this as kind of the national championship of who's the best team, Native American team amongst Native Americans. You know, they take the kids that participate, the, the people that run the operations, um, and they treat it as such. They treat it with professionalism. Um, everything's first class. You know, they um, hire um, a lot of talented people um, just during this time to run the uh, events and smooth, making sure they run smoothly. Um, but the kids really take it serious as well. It's not just a week-long vacation for them. Uh, I mean, it may look like that from the outside, but when it, when the ball starts, uh, or when the ball is tipped, um, these kids are kids are really competing hard. And, and as we know that we've learned over the past few weeks with this upcoming tournament, there's a lot more reasons for them to be playing hard because number one, you and I will be there to do the play-by-play for the championship games. <laughs> I mean, who 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 wouldn't be excited about that? Right. Calling, you know, calling the championship games and, and talking about all the great things these kids are doing and stuff like that. Uh, but, but but the most recent news, which is kind of cool, is that they're, whoever is the champions out of this tournament will get tickets to um, the NBA Game 5 finals if necessary for the Phoenix versus the Bucks team. So uh, what an even more bigger incentive to take, to take this event more uh, serious than it already is. Right, right. Uh, that's, uh, that's really cool to see uh, uh, for sure on uh, that front. Brent, uh, you got a few more things uh, I, I want to talk about with you. What's uh, what's going on uh, among the uh, native sports world? Uh, you know, I mean, we, it seems like the, the list of native athletes since we last talked has continued to grow and we're finding new ones all the time. What's, uh, what's going on these days? Well, you know, just to, you know, bring a little light to the shirt I have on today, you know, today, today is July 7th. And uh, if you go back in Olympic history, July 7th was when Jim Thorpe, um, who was, who was, uh, his, his Native American name translated to bright path, um, won the pentathlon, the gold medal in the Olympics. Um, so I, that's why I wore this shirt today, um, to pay homage to that. But in speaking with the Olympics, um, we have, uh, 
Canadian Mohawk, um, Jillian Ward, who's um, qualified for Team Canada in the hammer throw event. So that's really kind of big news for Indian country, you know, to have a Native American athlete representing First Nations Mohawk in, in Canada. Um, so that was that was kind of huge to, to happen this week. You know, I talked to her uh, a little bit earlier this week, and you know, um, to ask you know how how that process was for her, and she was like, you know, they didn't have a they didn't have a team trials event like the USA did um, uh, because of COVID protocols going on in their country. So um, they were chosen based on their current world rankings and uh, some of the performance of their most recent uh, re recent events, and that's what she was selected on to represent Team Canada. So that was exciting. Definitely something going on that's huge for um, Indian countries having that representation at the at the world level. Um, and I'm sure there's other Indigenous people representing on Australian, uh, New Zealand teams as well. And we'll, we'll certainly hear about them as the Olympics get closer. Uh, but there's always something going on. You know, Lindy Waters, as you know, who played at Oklahoma State versus Kansas, and and who we've covered over the years, you know, he just recently got picked up by uh, an international team to play overseas. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was a kind of, I wouldn't say a victim, but he came out the year COVID happened and, you know, really thwarted his, uh, his growth ability of getting and playing professionally overseas, which was his plan, uh, which he had to put on hiatus and, until now. So now he's heading overseas and in hopes of, uh, trying to come back and get a shot at the NBA in a few years or so. So those are some big news things, I think, that are going on in the world of, of uh, Indian country. And, of course, you know, with the uh, spring uh, or with the football camps going on with the NFL, you know, we got a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but um, Ryan Willis, who played in the, uh, um, the, uh, what, the spring league on football, uh, you know, he, we covered him as when he was at the University of Kansas, you know, mm -hmm. the Cherokee Nation, and he was named MVP of the of the league, and which was kind of cool. Um, and you know, they won the championship for uh, the semi professional um, spring league football um, uh, championship. So you know, that was going on. And then most other most recent news is you know, Lindy Waters has a teammate on his professional. Chance Comanche, who was just named the Basketball League's MVP of the league, you know, and Chance is um, Choctaw and Comanche, um, and, and also a teammate with Wayne Reynolds as well. So, you know, what a treat that the, the basketball had the Enid Outlaws with three Native Americans representing uh, on their team this season and all making and doing great things on the court and off the court as well. Um, but, you know, I had an opportunity this, uh, this summer to attend a lot of Native American uh, Native American youth basketball tournament. So I've kind of got a preview a little bit of a lot of the kids that we're going to run into out in uh, Arizona. So I'm excited to share um, all that information with you when we get out there and talk about these kids and sit down with them and, and, and just kind of help, help tell their stories to somebody. Oh, yeah. Anything we can do helps. Uh, that'll be terrific for sure. And uh, Brent, also, uh, you mentioned as far as like, you know, some big you know, news of sorts, you know, I, I got to tell you the thing I'm most excited about is seeing the, uh, the, the Chiefs, who we've covered for, you know, ongoing six years now, bring in Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, who's very active with his tribe. You already got James Winchester there, who, who played for Oklahoma as well. You know, you and, I, you and I both love OU, and mm. you have a good OU core as is with Orlando Brown and 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 such. But now you add in uh, Creed to go along with James here. I mean, they got 
they got the native Sooners on that uh, that Chiefs <laughs> roster. It seems. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and honestly, you know, when it just makes sense when you have a quarterback like um, MVP type quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. You know, you you want to protect that investment, and and you know he's an exciting quarterback. He's an exciting football player in general, whether his position is quarterback or not. You know, he's the type of player that makes things happen. And, you know, at the University of Oklahoma, when you're an offensive lineman, I mean, what in the past three, five years, they had three Heisman winners, you know, that's crazy. I mean, who, who, who does that? You know, what school does that? And, and we, the way you can do that is you build um, the offensive line who know how to, number one, uh, protect their quarterback and then understand how their quarterback likes to improvise as well. Um, so it's, it's a natural fit, I think, for the Kansas City organization to pick up someone like uh, Creed Humphrey in the first round as he, he was an All-American at the University of Oklahoma. And of course, like you said, the, the long snapper, James Winchester, who's already been there a handful of years now. So it's going to be exciting for sure to get back and cover football in person. You know, that was something that we missed out on in 2020, you and I working together, traveling to games and, and uh, just you know, doing what we do, covering Native American athletes. Yeah, it'll be great uh, not being on those Zoom calls anymore, you know, for press <laughs> and such. Uh, I will not miss that. I can tell you that much uh, for sure. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Brent, uh, what, what's uh, what's on the horizon for Indian sports here? Uh, you know, this thing has uh, really taken off and, and just even in recent years of all the new stuff that's going, going on. What's, uh, what's going on these days with uh, Indian sports and wh- what's coming up in the near future? Well, I, I think just a little bit kind of what, what we were just talking about with, with going to Navi, with talking about plans to go to cover, you know, the NFL players and just being back in person. You know, we really didn't have that opportunity in 2020 because of the COVID. And then um, the early part of this first half of the year, um, really things are just finally starting to open back up as far as coverage. I mean, you know, I, I mean, you and I missed the Big 12 men's basketball tournament for the first time in how, how long, you know? Uh, because it was kind of close, close to a degree to COVID. Uh, so, you know, moving forward with the beginning, uh, as we come into August and, and football and other fall sports start to go into action, you know, for me, just getting back uh, in person and doing persons, uh, doing in-person interviews with these uh, Native American athletes is really kind of what I uh, got back on the horizon and get back on track and continue to, uh, expand our coverage to um, all these athletes that are coming out of college and getting professional opportunities. Uh, so that's kind of what, you know, the big going on right now with Indian sports is just getting back to kind of where we were before we got derailed by the pandemic. And one thing that stands out to me too, Brent, is that, you know, we're starting to see the rise of independent media. Um, hmm. you know, there's, there's been too much control with corporate media and, now we've seen, you know, the, the, the reverse effect where now there's more independent media. It's more people want to do their own things and such. You and John Arjo started this thing in 2000, still own it to this day, still doing this. I mean, Brent, you, you were kind of on the cutting edge. You didn't think uh, to turn this over to anybody. I mean, this is still your operation to this day. Yeah, I mean, that was something that, you know, was a, uh, you know, a niche market uh, to some degree, uh, but it was really kind of started in the spirit of we didn't feel there was enough coverage of Native American athletes, and we still kind of feel that way today. Uh, and so we put our heads down and 
and just started working hard on trying to build up what we've done with the website uh, now with the social media accounts and giving these athletes the type of exposure that they deserve. I mean, uh, you know, with my, you know, with our social media and the friends and acquaintances we met over the years. And um, it's, it's great to see all these old stories um, that people post of their um, relatives and newspapers. But again, it was a newspaper in a small community somewhere that never went anywhere for the world wide web it was successful. And then it tripled in coverage once social media came. So, you know, I just rode the wave of, of understanding technology because technology is my background. That's what I got my degree in. Uh, and so, you know, it, for me, it was just taking advantage of those opportunities uh, with technology that, that, that those avenues provided and implementing it and to make it something that we can get our content out to people uh, that we wanted to get to. So, you know, with Indian sports in the future or moving into the future, you know, we're just continuing to grow that. We're continuing to um, kind of get out more than we have in the past uh, and be visible at tournaments and be visible at events and stuff like that because, you know, it's, it's great to cover these college athletes. You know, they only have, you know, they only have a four-year lifespan, you know, uh, once they go through the program. And in, the, in professional sports, it's even harder to have a, a long career. You know, most of those go for three to five years, tops, even that. Uh, so, you know, getting down and, and covering a lot of high school tournaments this summer uh, was a, definitely an eye opener for me. It was definitely a uh, area that I feel we, that we need to get into a little more, but I needed to explore th that this summer. So the ability to go to Oklahoma um, and Arizona and tournaments in uh, Kansas uh, really kind of say, you know, this is another area that we need to grow what we do within the sports industry and certainly moving forward. I'll be working with a plan, uh, coming up with a plan that we can do that. That's great. That is uh, awesome to see and where uh, this is going. And, and uh, you know, I, I look back too. one of the things that, you know, going forward, you know, look, when, you, when you think about the people that have come through, you know, the Billy Mills of the world, you mentioned Jim Thorpe earlier. Uh, part of the thing that I see, Brent, in this is not only are you telling the stories of what's happening now, but educating people on what they may have missed, what uh, continuing to, to keep our history as Native people alive and sports is needs to be a big part of keeping that that history taught of sorts, of, of those that came before us. Uh, exactly. I mean, I, I think the, the misconception, I think that the, the, the non-traditional media um, uh, like to play like you know the Native Americans um, you know when did they, when did they go when did they get so passionate about basketball or football or or baseball or, or cross or, or um, running and it's like you know we've been Native Americans have been at the forefront and at the core uh, during the uh, uh, early beginnings of all of these sports that we see on TV now on ESPN and so on and so forth um, you know when basketball was being invented, you know, James Naismith, Dr. Naismith was coaching at Haskell and KU at the same time. You know, games were going on at KU at Haskell and game going, game going on at Haskell as well. And I recall reading the history books uh, about Coach Naismith was coaching Haskell and KU at the same time during the game. And so um, there were a lot of core um, variables in the game um, uh, that were developed because of Native American athletes. Uh, you know, we, we talked about Jim Thorpe and his uh, his teams at Carlo. They play with. Um, uh, they they just really changed the passing game. They really changed the way the game was being played. And, and it's the same with basketball too. I mean, 
once Native Americans started playing the game, um, then at, when they were playing at Haskell at the time, it was a, it was a boarding school. Um, they took that game back to their reservations. You know, everyone that came to Haskell took those games back to the reservations. And so they started to grow on the reservations uh, with what they learned from, from when the game was being invented about the basement. So at the core of everything, Native Americans always have always been there. You know, um, we've always been alongside the invention or creation, just not in the numbers uh, of, of some of the other uh, races of people, but we've always been there. And, uh, I, I, I just think people need to understand that, you know, even with a cross being the game that Native Americans founded, that, and some of the best players in the world um, who are currently playing the cross, you know, we've always been there um, within these professional sports. Have you seen them on TV? Have you seen them? You know, stuff like that. No, because, you know, a lot of what we're going with going back to Navi is just trying to give um, kids an opportunity, a chance to have that opportunity be represented in, in, in a major public limelight. You know, we, we've covered a lot of things uh, over the years, Brent, uh, of places we've gone and such and places that are ahead. But to, to me, the the moment of uh, this was a big deal was when uh, that Sports Illustrated article came out, uh, you know, what was it, about seven or eight months ago. And, and that, to me, is when it kind of hit home of what we're doing and, and, you know, the purpose of what we're doing here. Yeah, I mean, that was just a great opportunity for all of us, all of us involved to really get our what our platform is doing. I mean, and to me, you, you've played a real major part in that, even though you've come on and and been with us, you know, for a short time. Uh, I don't know how long it's been now, but that's um, seven years now. <laughs> seven years now. Wow, I mean, you know, time goes by fast, and and you know, you're a real big part of that growth. You're a real big part of getting us to where we are now. You know, I think before you came on board, what we had was we had the we had the method, we had the tools, we had the equipment, um, but we didn't have that excitement that you brought to and the excitement and experience that you do um, with your. Um, broadcast and with your podcast and things like that we just was that missing piece and then once you came on board um, that's when we, everything really took off and you know, we were finally able to really have a platform that people um, could trust and believe in so you know thank you for, for being with us for so long number one but number two yeah that article was great uh, you know it really made me kind of um, you know what we're doing you know uh, I put my head down sometimes and I just go to work and I don't think about how big of an impact it is sometimes because I just do it every day and it's a seven day 365 days a week event for me to do Indian sports and I just do it so much out of habit now that I don't even know like doing it sometime or how it affects other people sometimes so doing that article for sure um, opened my eyes to say you know we are having a positive impact you know uh, and now with the pandemic coming over I'm hoping that we can double or triple that type of impact uh, with uh, the athletes in Indian country. Well, it's been fun. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you've had me on board and, and uh, look forward to what's ahead, Brent, and, and uh, getting out to Phoenix this and uh, next week. Uh, I mean, I, I know the answer to this question, but I'll go ahead and hand it to you anyway. What's the best way for people to follow along and see what all's going on with uh, Indian sports? Where can they, uh, you know, be a part of what's, uh, what, what we got going here? Well, definitely we're, we have a heavy, we have a heavy following on, um, our social media accounts, you know, um, you can reach out facebook.com slash Native American athletes or you can go to our Twitter and Instagram, which is just at Indian Sports, um, as well as you can also visit our website where we have a lot of great stories um, 
out there that have been archived over the years that you can go back and look at. And even the most recent stories that were posted today or yesterday or last week. Um, and that's just at IndianSports.com as well. Great stuff, Brent. Appreciate the time. We'll see you next week in Phoenix. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Tyler. We'll see you soon. He's back. It's Coach Bo for Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Check out O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. Also by phone, 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's Brian with a Y. Uh, dot O'Connor at LPL.com. Also O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. Bo joins us right now. Bo, it has been a couple of weeks, my friend. We were off last week on vacation. The week before that, you were off. But nonetheless, uh, we're back for the football fix. And uh, we got a lot to catch up on. First off, what's uh, what's going on in, at uh, OAG in the last few days since we last hey, The last couple of weeks have been getting busy again. Things are happening. You know, summertime usually has its kind of lulls to it. But it's uh, we're getting to that part of the year. And, hey, I want to ask about two things this week, Tyler. I want to ask, who has gone through COVID this year? And this past year, you're sitting there with your wife, your, your fiancé, whoever, and you go, I can't take this shit anymore. And, you, and you're getting a divorce. I want to meet the person getting divorced. I want to meet them. I want to help them through the things they're going to have to do. A lot of stuff we can do here at O'Connor Advisory Group. If you weren't in charge of the money, maybe it was the husband, maybe it was the wife. You need some help. Hey, give us a call. Our services are free. And then one thing we've been doing, we got a good partner, man. Travis Allen, my buddy Travis Allen, over um, insurance guy I know, helps me out with a lot of my people who need help with their Medicare supplements. So if you know anybody, you know this uh, Medicare supplements, they got a special early enrollment. It's about to end a special enrollment period. It's going to end in August. So if anybody's out there, you're going, man, should I jump on Medicare now? I need some supplement help. I can help you, give you some basics, and I can get you in touch with my guy, Travis. He does a great job. He's worked with a lot of my clients. I'd love to be able to refer him a little more business and help him out as well. So if you're going through that, you're thinking about retirement, that's part of that deal too. Hey, we can help you with that here at O'Connor Advisory Group through one of our trusted partners as well. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, let's start out with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this has been an ever- evolving story that I feel like we're just still waiting at this point. And uh, the latest that we've heard is that Aaron says that he's working on his mental health. Um, that was a big part of why he needed the time away that he wasn't at uh, you know, OTAs or mini camps, stuff like that. And then he's uh, a part of the match playing with Bryson DeChambeau against Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson and he's asked about if he'll wear a Packer jersey next year when uh, the Packers are playing the Bears in October. And he says, mm, I don't know. Uh, what do you think of where we're at right now in this uh, Aaron Rodgers situation? All right, so wait a minute. I want to – first thing First thing I want to say is he's working on his mental health. What's her name now that she's it's with him? Uh, the, uh, the, the actress. Yeah. She can probably help anybody work on their mental health. <laughs> so good for Aaron. Um, hey, man, you look, I still have the same opinion as Aaron Rodgers thing. He's playing for the Packers for 2021. Um, I don't think he's going to camp. Shailene Woodley, by the way. There you go. Playing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll kick, man, my man just, I mean, just keeps throwing touchdown passes. Good for him. 
Uh, hey, but what I'm trying to say here on this, I, I, my position has not changed. He's playing for the Packers. He don't have much of a choice. Um, what I do think is going to happen is he's going to hold out. I don't think he's going to camp on time. There's probably a 0% chance of that. Uh, we'll call it a 5% chance, I guess, of him going to camp on time. But uh, I do think he'll show up to camp probably just before uh, they break to go back to Green Bay or or if they're in Green Bay for camp, they'll right, right before the season starts. And he'll be the starting quarterback. And he'll play the season, and he'll do really well. He doesn't need to be there. I mean, he's Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I, I do think they're going to negotiate some kind of deal where at the end of this season, he's either traded, released, or some kind of salary cap thing to get him out of the paint. I think this is his last season. I don't see the Packers uh, moving on to Jordan Love this season, but they're going to have to after this season, one way or the other. So I just think that it's um, it, it's too bad we kept talking about it week after week. There's not that one guy in Green Bay who can make the decision. And the CEO kind of said something cryptic a couple of days ago. You know, he can go stick it up his, you know, white because it's all in Rodgers' decision-making now. And he's going to play. He's not going to – he's not – He's not going to not play and lose all the money he can lose. There's deferred signing bonus. There's his salary. I think I saw something like $36 million he's out. Okay, show up to training camp with two weeks left in camp. Play your 18 game or 17 games. Play your three games in the playoffs or two games in the playoffs, however many you going to play in the playoffs. I think for 20 weeks or 25 weeks, it's called, you can muddle through that for $36 million bucks. And then yeah. you're done. And then he's going to be gone. It's going to be mutually beneficial for both teams that he's gone next year. I don't think the Packers will get much for him. I think likely it's going to be a rework the contract, kind of like a Taysom Hill type of thing, where they're going to pay him a little more money. And then everything on the backside is going to be voidable. And then it'll just be gone. Or they pay him now, you know, restructure him for a couple of years and say, well, we'll give you this much money now. And then we promise to trade you in the off season, as long as they make it attractive on the rest of the contract or buy it out or something. Uh, he's not a big salary cap issue after this season. And it's already too close to the season to make the trade now. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. And I don't question Aaron's desire to still compete at a high level. I think that even as disgruntled as he may be and one out of Green Bay Bowl, we're still going to see Aaron Rodgers perform at a high level. He'll still compete for that MVP award. Green Bay will still be a contender and all that. His issues are not with Matt LaFleur, although that he has made it known that he wasn't happy about that fourth down call. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he, he's still going to have – he's poised to have a great year no matter who he suits up for. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's a problem with him and the coach. I really don't. I think oh. the biggest problem they have is simply that – it's just not the right fit moving forward for him. It's that they've not, they've committed to a young guy after They're, the Packers wouldn't have drafted Jordan love if they weren't going to play. him. Mm-hmm. And I think they wanted that to be this season when Aaron Rodgers went out there and played his ass off the last two years. And he was the MVP. You can't change that. So you have to figure out what to do. I, I, I'm not in total agreement with green Bay as far as having drafted Jordan Love like that. I'm not a big fan of that. They did it once and kind of, you know, they tried to strike lightning twice. They did the same thing with Rodgers and Favre. Part of me, but, the problem, Bo, yeah. is that I'm just not a big fan of Jordan Love. Nothing stood out to me that said, 
that guy needs to be the next franchise quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. If they were in a position where they were getting a Trevor Lawrence or something of that effect, that would have been one thing. But to me, to sell the farm and move on from Aaron, which we know they'll eventually do for Jordan Love, that's where I would be pissed off if I'm Aaron is really that guy. Yeah, I see your point there. I think the big thing on that is I'm thinking about it. It's kind of a similar thought. I don't know what Jordan Love is today. I mean, I don't think any of us do. A lot of people know that of people who are wearing wearing the green and the green and yellow. So, you know, they if they didn't like Jordan Love, they would have dealt him. Yeah, I they would have dealt him and, and got to either cut loose or done something there. So that's my thought process. I. I think that it's likely this is going to be a, a separation. It's probably going to be – we're going to be hearing about this all season long. So it's almost to the point where I'm kind of tired of talking about it. I'm there with you. Let's go ahead and move on then before we get too tired of talking about it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence signs a $37 million rookie deal, four-year contract there with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bo, the uh, Jags do have a fifth-year option involved here. Um, if you're Trevor Lawrence, you're into these high draft picks, you have no reason to sign more than a four-year contract. You need to get paid as soon as you can. Yes, there's the if you gave him the fifth year option, that's kind of a dumb idea. Um that's I don't know how that works in his contract. I don't know what the language is there, but yeah, you want to do you have the choice of a four or five-year deal if you're a first round pick. And yes, if you're the quarterback, you want to go four because you want to get to free agency as fast as possible. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, you're slotted. So there's no re there's no extra money to get now. So you have to go to that fourth year. Um, you know, I don't know why he did a, a fifth year option. He didn't have a choice. Know. That's, uh, that uh really the, that. the NFL, uh, labor uh, work. So, I mean, I, I mean, you look at it now, I mean, here's, here's the guy, let's see what he does. I, I, Trevor Lawrence has got every physical skill you need to be a great quarterback. And he's obviously got it between the break, between the years too. I just don't like the situation at all. I just don't like where he's at. I don't like anything about it. And, you know, I, him and his tiny, him and his tiny tight end, Tim Tebow can, you know, just both go, you know, Hey, you know, I'm not a fan of Trevor Lawrence. He's a Clemson guy. I'm an LSU guy. I showed you earlier. I can't off. Got my little autographed LSU uh, championship game promo uh, 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 deal. The program from that game at that game where Joe Burrow just killed Trevor Lawrence. And it's a situation. I think Trevor Lawrence got every skill he can have. And I'm not going to be a fan of his just because I'm just not going to be a fan of his. But man, I just, Urban Myers is a quarterback killer. He is. He's a quarterback killer. And I don't think it's a good fit. I, I, if I were Trevor Lawrence, I would have pulled an Eli Man. Yeah. So, hey, good luck to him. I hope he gets all the money. Get all your money, kid. Get all of it you can get. I will never hate on a player. And get, get out of Jacksonville as soon as you can. Get out of there as soon as you can. Do whatever you got to do to make sure you don't have to use that fifth-year option. All right. Get right up out the paint. Just go anywhere but New Orleans. <laughs> How about this? Uh, rookie cornerback Cameron Kinley. He was an undrafted free agent that signed with Tampa. And uh, his initial request to go to the NFL was denied by the Navy. But instead, that has now been flipped. 
uh, as the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, announced on Tuesday that he'll be good to go to go ahead and head to the NFL. And whenever that time comes, uh, that he'll go ahead and uh, do his uh, you know, time of service after his NFL uh, career is up. Bo, we, we keep having these situations pop up every single time. doesn't matter what administration it is. I'm not trying to get political. It, it, this has just been an, a reoccurring theme of guys having to, you know, fight just to be able to play on the, the, on the football field. Um, to me, this seems like a pretty easy solution. Let the guys play, you know, not, you know, it's, a 0.1% chance that you have to even make it in the NFL. Let these guys have the moment, then serve their time later. Is that too hard to figure out? No, I was listening to it. The young man, I tell me his name again. I'm so sorry. Uh, it is a uh, Cameron Kinley. Kinley. I remember Cameron. Um, I listened to an interview he did on Andrew Brandt's podcast, the business of sports. If you're a nerd, like I am, it's one of the best podcasts out there. Um, it was an incredible uh, conversation. And Cameron Kenley did a really great job of explaining it and saying, hey, you know, how he applied for this, it's something you have to apply for. And the initial uh, request is actually seen based upon which branch you are in the service. So in his case, he, he applied and he's, forgive me if I remember this, is he in the Air Force? Uh, he he's in the Navy. He was in the Naval Academy. So because there was a player or two players at West Point that also applied and they were initially approved. And so the thing has been, well, how come these guys were approved, but he wasn't? Um, and I get, and, and Cameron Gilly put it pretty bluntly saying, hey, it was just different because of how we applied. We applied the correct way, but it's different branches. And the Navy was more about saying no, while the Army was more about saying yes. Um, it was sent up to the Department of Defense, and uh, someone in the Department of Defense jumped in and said, hey, yes, we're going to approve this. Uh, there, the thing that surprised me on it was there was no actual rule within the rule. What you apply, whether you're approved or denied, there's no rule to come back and to um, ask for a second chance or a hearing or something like that. So a lot of this has been social media pressure and things that we've seen out there kind of publicly. Um, I'm happy for the young man. And when I did listen to the podcast, I listened to his interview. He is very serious about understanding that yes, he's going to serve his country, but he knows this is a really unique opportunity. And he realizes that if he doesn't make the bucks, he said he's going right back in. And going to go in in January and start his and start his service. So I I like the idea that our academies will do that. You know, give them a chance. And if you give them a chance, even if it's till January in the football players' case, you know that, that's a great deal. Um, the most you know the biggest ones we've ever seen of these were guys like Roger Staubach, who you know Roger Staubach back in the seventies he did a little bit now, and then come back and and, and play. Uh, David Robinson was a big one. You know, back in the late eighties he had to actually go serve. And then come back to go to the NBA. Uh, so I'm glad these young men get that chance because that window is very small. And it's a chance not just to make money, but it also, frankly, looks good on these organizations for the Army, for the Navy, for the Air Force, to be able to, for these academies to allow them to do that. So I think they should get on board with that. And I, I'm pleased to see, I did not know until you mentioned something off the air about it. And I was 
happy to know he got it because I was very impressed with him in the short interview I heard. He did about a 15, 20-minute interview, and I was like, wow, this is the kind of guy we need to have out there. So I'm impressed, and I'm very happy that the, the, the DOD did the right thing there. Right. You, you love to see good things happen to good yeah, people. Yeah, to good people. Absolutely. Right. And this is not a political thing at all. I mean, this right. is a rule that was approved during the Trump administration. We can all go, you know, people know me, know where I'm at on that stuff. But really, it's, a, it's, a, it's something to help young people. That's great. Whether that was done under Trump, under Biden, under Obama, under Bush, doesn't matter. It, it, the, the thing that happens again, it's not a political thing. This is about doing the right thing for young people, giving them an opportunity. And hey, if it doesn't work in these first few months, you know, that Kimley already said he's going right back in as we begin his service. And I thought that was admirable. I just said he's going to begin his commission in January if he didn't uh, make the team. Yeah. Well, and, and, and what's, the, what's the loss there to the DOD? The, the argument that's been made, just to point it out, is that, you know, hey, if you go to a service academy, you know going in ahead of time that what you're there for, you're, there, you're not there to go to the NFL. But I would argue to counter that, bow is that all of those guys were under-recruited, that they yeah. took the best option they had. Everyone has the dream of playing in the NFL. That's your ultimate goal. Uh, from the moment that you're playing in, in football. I mean, I, I don't blame these guys for when they were 18 years old. Okay, you didn't have a scholarship at one school, so you took the best option available here. I don't hold that against them at all. No, I, I think that there is there is nothing that says these guys are being unpatriotic or right. not serving their commission. I mean, we haven't seen examples of, the people, of these people not serving their commission. Right. They all come back and do it. Everyone knows the school, and I don't think it hurts any department, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force Academy. It doesn't hurt any of them to allow these young men to do this. And, and again, I, you, you have to be in this finite position, whether that's in football or basketball, and, and do that. I, I, I think that it's a good thing. Frankly, I think it's a good thing for these academies as well, mm-hmm. so they can be flexible and that they can really work because what if what if Cameron Kinley becomes an all-pro mm-hmm. and then eight, 10 years from now, he retires and then he goes into the Navy and he serves his four-year commission as an officer. Now he's Lieutenant. I don't know. The, I don't know those, those uh, positions, Let's, whatever the equality to a, a Lieutenant is in the Navy, please forgive me for you folks who are uh, more military background. What does it hurt them? What does it hurt the Navy? I think it brings on more attention to the Naval Academy. Right. Well, and look at in a positive athletes. light. In a positive light. Yes, I agree. I mean, look at athletes that have actually given up themselves to mm-hmm. military service. We all know about Pat Tillman. I mean, Glenn yeah. Coffey retired from football early to go into the Army and such. I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, it yeah. might be losing guys for a bit, but the academies are gaining guys too. I mean, there's something, a message that's being sent among these players, a, a patriotic message. They feel uh, after football to, to go out and do those things. It goes both yeah, I ways. I don't see what the negative piece is. How can anyone have a negative sense on this? Right. I mean, if really, I would love to know the person who has a negative idea on this who says oh this is terrible 
that's probably just someone who we can brand a hater or, you know what, just someone who needs to just take a fucking chill pill. <laughs> oh, well said. Well said. A um, few more things for you. Uh, I want to get to uh, the XFL planning on a 2023 return uh, after we know this thing started in 2020, was interrupted by COVID-19. They hoped to be back in 2021. Didn't happen. Vince McMahon filed for bankruptcy. Then we were told it was 2022 was the target date. And there was talks about a merger with the CFL. And now that's been tabled. And now they're looking at 2023. All this is going on, Bo, while the USFL is going to make a return before the XFL is back. Um, Do you think The Rock and company are losing ground here on this XFL you know, rebirth of sorts here. I, I mean, uh, are, are, should they be concerned with how this is, uh, this is gone with, with the gap that there's going to be between 2020 and 2023? You know, I really don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to hurt them. It gives them time to plan. The XFL, both iterations of the XFL went too quickly. They, they, they went uh, the first time, um, the first time the XFL was just a half-ass put together and done. The second time, you know, they got Al- uh, Oliver Luck involved, and Oliver Luck was really trying to do everything he can to push things along. But the problem was you had Vince McMahon involved, and Vince McMahon's always trying to get things done quickly. Um, I think the fact that The Rock and, and, and it's his ex-wife and, and their private equity firm, they're going to, be able to take some time and do things the right way. When the money people are willing to take their time, that means they're going to be invested in this. Yeah. Not looking for that immediate return. I hope that the XFL or the USFL, one of them makes it. Um, I hope it's a spring league. And I hope that it's a league that is going to be there not to compete with the NFL, but to help showcase opportunities for players who can try to get onto an NFL roster. Well, I think one of these is going to work eventually. It's just a matter so, of putting it all together. I mean, getting so, idiots too. out of the room. I agree 100%. I think they will, one of these will work eventually. As long as you're just trying to be the feeder to the NFL, you're trying to get to where your MVP, your best players, their goal isn't to make millions in the XFL or the USFL. It's to, hey, I want to try to get on a roster in Kansas City or in Buffalo or that kind of thing. They're trying to get to that point. They're trying to be the 53rd guy. And that's okay. It's okay to stay in your lane and be the guy. You know, the the UFC parallel of UFC and Bellator. You know, Bellator doesn't pay their guys what the UFC does as far as the top guys. But you can be really good at one in Bellator and they move up. Or come back down. I, I don't see that they're going to come back down. I don't think they'll play football after that long for the love of the game. It's too physically demanding on your body. But I do think it's an opportunity for some of these guys to make a little bit of money, get more exposure. Guys from small schools, guys who are maybe the backup who played limited downs at a big school. You know, if you're the, the fifth D lineman at, at Alabama, you know, you're the, the, the fifth DB or the sixth DB at Ohio State or LSU, you know, that kind of thing. Hey, you got to split time with this guy, and this guy's in the NFL. 
We don't have much tape on you. Go play in the XFL for a year. You know, I hope that if they do that, that's what I really hope for, because it will help get people jobs in football. And I think it'll be a great thing for a lot of people. Take your time, do it the right way. I have no problem waiting until 2023 to start this thing. For the love of football, yes. <laughs> no one's playing for the love of football in their mid-30s and up. It's for paychecks, baby. That, that's where the uh, that's what the slogan was of the last inter- iteration well, of the XFL. <laughs> it is when you're 22, you're 23, when you're 25. Look, <laughs> if you're 36 and you played in the NFL for 10, 12 years, you ain't going to the XFL for football. And the paychecks aren't going to be worth it. So, you know, it's not going to be, you know, the guys who used to be the top guys go down. It's going to be the feeder moving them up. That's great. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, We haven't gotten a chance to talk much about name, image, and likeness, you and I. I know that we've covered it on this show, but I haven't really gotten your perspective on it. It has been the Wild West last week or so. Freedom, I mean, it's been a beautiful thing to see just these last few days. That freedom ring this 4th of July for every college athlete, baby. I'm sure these uh, compliance departments are still trying to figure out what the hell is going on and such. But nonetheless, Bo, uh, I like what I've seen so far. How about you? I think this is a lot of fun. Now, I feel really bad for my people that I know in compliance. I'm sorry. Y'all have a good time. I'm sorry it's going to be rough on y'all So you get some systems in place. But I think this is great for college sports. I think it's great for young people. We've got so much money involved in college sports, and, and we, the people who deserve the majority of it have never been paid. And uh, I will say, just for editorial purposes, for those people who argue, will they get a scholarship, literally go bleep yourself if if they expanding the playoff then the expansion of the playoffs is going to bring you almost two billion dollars for the organization you don't need slave labor pay them and this is a way of paying so if a kid wants to go do um you know we saw one of the schools is doing the entire offensive line is doing stuff for the i think it's in arkansas is being the offensive line is being sponsored by a barbecue restaurant. Love it, love it. That's the kind of thing this is about. This is not about giving Rolls Royces or Ferraris or expensive cars to people. This is about giving kids who can use an extra five hundred bucks. Right. Well, this is about hey, if the right kid at KU wants to make a little bit of money, O'Connor Advisory Group's looking for a freaking spokesperson. If you got Twitter, hey, I thought that, you, you can't give them my job. Twitter followers and Instagram You're not I'm giving away my job. That's my job. No, I, I, that's where I draw the line. Uh, I draw the line there. But nonetheless, no, I, you will always be a part of O'Connor Advisory Group. Okay, I'm not. You being are, you're the spokesman. You're the yes. voice of this group. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm not being. Replaced. Always be the voice of this group. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. As I am, long as I am the owner of this group. <laughs> Owner, president, chief bottle washer, everything. You will always be the spokesperson. Uh, uh, so no, we got. Uh, I think this is great. Speaking of El Presidente, how about that transition? Uh, yeah. I, I know you just love Dave Portnoy, and uh, <laughs> Portnoy and the Barstool guys got this whole thing going where uh, 
they've created this whole outlet called the Barstool Athletes, and they're partnering with kids on every level, uh, giving them merchandise and uh, and such. I mean, just and, and they're taking in all sorts of sports. There was so much focus, Bo, on football and men's basketball, but we're seeing that this the, the love is being spread around. Yeah. So here's what I think. This has been the whole argument I've ever had on this. We're in Lawrence. I'm in Lawrence. Okay, so here we got KU here. Let's say we get a young lady, and this young lady happens to be the best swimmer on the swimming team. And she wants to give private lessons in the summertime. But she can't advertise that she's, let's call her Jane Smith. We don't want to get anybody in trouble here. Jane Smith is the number one swimmer in the Big 12, and she's great at KU, and she wants to give private lessons at 50 bucks a lesson to your children, to your teenagers, your you know, middle school and high school age kids. She can't do that under the old rules. Now she can. And that's not enough money for her to, you know, go buy a new car with. But you know what? It's enough to go buy a couple things. Make sure your bills are paid. Make sure you're not in extra student loan debt. I enough don't where she can go to the bar on any night besides you dollar. go to the Hawk on Friday night. Yeah, whatever. I, I, I don't care what you do. I This is going to be... That's who needs to get this money, and you know we are going to see the love's going to get moved around. Now we're going to see some schools go crazy. I can't wait to see what Ohio State's going to do. You know, there's the people at Ohio State right now who are thinking, "Oh my God, we got to get some money together." You know, uh, I love what Miami's doing. There's the we talked about this. You know, the uh, offline the the the, the uh, what is the MMA club? in Miami that's now sponsoring the entire University of Miami football team, Mm -hmm. every player on the roster, you know, okay. They want to see the U, they're going to get the U. Okay, that's fine. You know, they're not giving away bags of $10,000 and $20,000. They're giving these guys 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just, you know, the other thing I think is interesting about this is now is that some of these kids who have, Thousands and thousands of Twitter followers, Facebook or Twitter followers and Instagram followers. We're going to start seeing some things like, um, you know, use my promo code for this. Hey, we're going to see it. I saw one of the big offensive, I think it's from Wisconsin, is doing one for scented candles. Hey, hey, what power to him? Hey, yeah. if it makes him a hundred bucks a month. It's a hundred bucks a month or a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks a month. What's the difference? Every other kid his age gets to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe he's amassed 50,000 or a hundred thousand followers. You know, that's fine. What they're going to find out quickly is you can't make every tweet in that. <laughs> because then we're going to, then what we're going to do, we're going to mute you. If I'm following, you know, you name it, player at KU basketball and every tweet every other day is a, uh, is an ad, what am I going to do? I'm going to mute you. Right. So I'll get to know that. But yeah, I, I think There's it's one a thing, thing. Though, that stands out to me too, as we're wrapping up on this. Yeah. Um, you know, the state of Georgia, the law that they put in place was the money's got to be evenly distributed, right? I love the fact that we are seeing these players take care of each other. You got De'Ara King at Miami that gets $20,000 from college hunks, and he says he's given it distributed evenly among his teammates. 
You got guys like Spencer Rattler that already has named a number of charitable causes that he's going to work with and such here too. Uh, we don't need the laws or the uh, schools to step in and say where this money goes. These athletes are taking care of each other. It's all going to work itself out. Yeah, that Georgia law is going to hurt the University of Georgia. And I'll tell you why. If you're a top recruit, you're not going to the University of Georgia. Not if you can go to Florida or Miami or Florida State or uh, Alabama or LSU, where, they, where that state does not have that law. And the reason being is that I'm splitting that money with everybody equally. And you're going to have some that do it because they can, because they want to. So that's why the one thing I think, the one notion on this, I would like to see some kind of a law that's a national law, the federal law, into what universities can and cannot do. Um, I don't know how that's going to work yet, but these different state laws are going to make it difficult when it comes to recruiting. I mean, recruiting is everything, and negative recruiting is a really easy deal. And if you've got one thing in one place and one rule in another, and you can easily say, well, don't go to Georgia. you got to split all your other money with all of the players. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just an example. It'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of things to work out in this. Um, I'm just happy for these young people able to get some things and to do some things. I haven't seen any harm so far. You know, there's going to be some wildness come out of this. There's going to be, but frankly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's, if there's weird stuff. It doesn't matter where this money comes from or where it's going because it's already out there in some places. Yeah. You know, now we're going to be a little more accountable to it. Exactly. He's uh, Brian O'Connor. Check him out online. Uh, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, OAGKS.com is the website. Bo, thanks for joining us as always, my friend. And uh, next week, uh, you'll be in uh, the big seat. We'll, uh, we'll hear you in for Thomas as he's uh, off to Cabo. So look forward to that, my friend. All right. And then uh, I got to get with Thomas anyway. Uh, we're going to get ready. The Coach Bo podcast is coming August, first week of August. The first episode will drop. So, By the way, yeah. how, how dangerous does that sound, Tom and Cabo? We already knew he wasn't safe in Memphis. You know, he wasn't safe in Memphis. You know, we, we and I talked offline with him about going to New Orleans. You know, he wants to go to the strip club with me. I, 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 I don't I, – I got to hang out with Tom. I just got to go out one time with him and see if – he is as advertised. I think he is. I think it's going to be. He's sort of the Stugats to your to your whole network here. Yes. <laughs> I'll be Levitard. That's fine. You're Levitard. He's Stugats. I don't know what I am right now, but we'll know in a few weeks. So. Oh, you're. Are, are you our poppy around here? <laughs> you know. Uh, did you did you get to watch the uh, any of the um, what do they call it the freedom? I did. Did you see Poppy's um, the piece where Poppy's rolling in the in the car? I did not. Okay, go back and check it out on YouTube. He's rolling around in the car. He's in the he's in the back seat, being chauffeured to where he's going, and he gets to the place that rolls the window down, and he goes, "Poppy's back, motherfuckers!" <laughs> they believe that part. So good. I guess I am Poppy around here. Yes, you are. We <laughs> need one. So there you have it, Brian O'Connor joining us here at the Joe's Report this week. Few more things before we wrap up today's show, and I want to talk name, image, and likeness. You heard at the end of our conversation with Bo there just a few minutes ago 
uh, talking about it, but I kind of want to expand upon that a little bit more as uh, Thomas Bridges joins me right now. And, you know, what we've seen in the last few days of where name, image, and likeness has gone, this thing has just really blown up. And we're seeing, you know, the star athletes are getting their money and getting the money that they deserve and, and uh, finally getting to profit off of, you know, what's rightfully theirs. I mean, it's all a good thing. And there was so much focus about college football and college basketball players, men's college basketball in particular, going into this, that now what we're actually seeing as this has unfolded is it's really bigger than that. And one of the things that I mentioned when this was going on was that if you looked at Instagram, for example, that a lot of the top followed college athletes were actually women's basketball players, women's college basketball players and such. And so one of the points I made was I said, what are the companies going to look for? Engagement and impressions. And it's not just the football players. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the women's sports too. And we've seen now that those Olympic sport athletes on the college level are now getting their, their share too. And they're not on scholarship, uh, a lot of them, or they're on partial scholarships. So now this is paying for them to, you know, be able to go to the bar on Friday night or, uh, you know, get some books or or whatever it may be. You know, I mean, like now they have some extra spending money or or actually pay for their education. I mean, this is a such a big win all around, Tom. This is bigger than football. This is bigger than men's basketball. Um, yes, the money is going first off to those uh, those properties, but everybody's getting a slice of the pie here. This is a win-win for all parties involved here. This is bigger than I think most people thought it was. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it's it's uh, and you're even seeing like mid-tier players like post a you know a flyer a graphic that's like, "Yo, shoot me a DM." Um, you already got a an incoming freshman that's inked a deal. I forget who it is. It's somebody famous's kid um, inking what sounds to be like a $10 million deal. Uh, that's probably the most outrageous one. But you got Barstool. I don't know. Here's the funny thing. A little side note. This is, this is a little Tom funniness here. Uh, did you see Barstool did the Barstool athletes? Yes. Uh, we were just talking about that with Bo just a few minutes ago. The Barstool athletes thing happened organically too. I mean, somebody just slid into Dave's DMs and like, Hey, can I be a Barstool athlete? And he's like, I don't know what that is, but I just came up with it. And now you have hundreds of athletes partnering with Barstool getting free merch and, you know, partnering with, with, with Barstool um, and, uh, and represent the Barstool brand. I love it. I mean, I, and, and they're taking anybody. I mean, they're taking like D3 offensive linemen. I did grab, I forget who it is for OSU, uh, kind of an odd name, uh, something with a Z, but uh, they got him. But did you notice I was clicking through and I was like female athlete, female athlete. So, like, most of them at the beginning were, like, all women in sports, which is awesome, but they were all hot. I was like, oh, Dave knows exactly what he's doing. All of the majority, I was like, okay, she could be a model. Um, but that, and then right after that, it was like, all right, now 
as the Bob Menery, the, the Ripper Magoos athlete or whatever the hell he called it. I, I forget. But everyone's, you know, you, you mentioned everyone's getting a piece of the pie. It's not just the athletes that are doing this. All the companies are like, all right, well, we could probably do this. And then just hopping right in there. And it's just uh, a lottery draft of sorts of who you get. I mean, and you're just everyone's competing for like, I don't know if it's the most athletes, the most prominent athletes. I saw like Bo Nix sign some bigger deal. So that was one of the funnier ones. Bo Nix signed a deal with uh, a uh, iced tea company. Uh, the, the, the big one down, the big one down. There. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he signed it with an iced tea company. And uh, now Alabama fans uh, are boycotting that iced tea company. Oh, my. That's great. See, and that's what's going to happen. All this is going to happen, like, organically, where it's going to be, well, okay, Spencer Rattler is sponsored by, I don't know, um, it could be anything. It, it could, uh, let's, let's say he's sponsored by Home Depot for whatever reason. I'm not shopping at Home Depot. I'm going strictly Lowe's. No, I mean, I'm kidding. I don't really care, but uh, I wouldn't go that far. But still, like, that is going to happen, and it's going to be hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, For Bo Nix, by the way, it was Milo's Sweet Tea. And uh, Alabama fans will not be drinking Milo's anymore, and that's a big deal in the South, that Milo's Sweet Tea. See, now if you're another sweet tea company, uh, let's say you're like Red Diamond down there, you want to boost some sales? You go get you go get whoever on Alabama, and you make them the Red Diamond athlete of the freaking year, and go. I mean, any it could be. That's what I'm saying. That could be anything. It doesn't have to be just tea. It could be. Uh, I mean, probably not liquor. Uh, which I mean, if Johnny Manziel was still in the game and he was sponsored by, you know, Jack Daniels, or can you imagine if Chad Henney was still in college, he would definitely be sponsored by Hennessy. Oh yeah. Get that check. He'd have to be Hennessy going. Yeah, um, that would be uh, phenomenal. I mean, there, there's all sorts of ones that uh, that you can come up with. Uh, one one thought that came to mind too was Tom a couple weeks ago. Remember you and I were talking about those Jason White Air Comfort Solutions commercials and and uh, you know Brand Weed being involved. Um, you know Jason White. I don't know how rich he is these days. Uh, how much money he's made. But I would think some of these other, you know, former college stars are probably shaking in their uh, in their feet a little bit. Like, oh man, my days are numbered. I'm about to get replaced by, uh, you know, you know, Spencer Rattler is about to be uh, changing uh, air conditioners now or something. Right? Yeah, I'm sure that they're like, I, you know, air comforts. Like, hmm. Well, we've got all these former athletes. Who can we get that's actually playing right now? He's hot. I mean, you can do something stupid like, I don't know, heat only belongs on the field. Or I don't know, you could do something stupid like that. You could be like, he's hot on the field, but he's cool in his house. Spencer Rattler, get your air comfort solutions today. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, or, or do you know what's funny, Jones? We talked about this. I mean, it was been, I don't know, three, four months ago. Uh, Roman. Roman can do it but I wonder if he has enough stamina for the second half 
Oh, you know Roman has to be going after these. <laughs> well, and then uh, even Mitch Lightfoot, um, who you know he's had. I a, saw that he's had an average career at KU. He's been quite the personality, but he's now like a super super senior. This is his sixth year at KU, and he picked up a deal with one eight hundred Got Junk. <laughs> oh my gosh. He even hashtagged, give me that junk. No, he did not. Yes, he did. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, when the, you know, when the bottom of the barrel, when it, you know, when it's slim pickings, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, yeah, I would, I, you know, if someone's paying me to do it, I mean, I don't care. I'll, I'll go, I'll advertise. I don't care what it is. <laughs> I mean, if someone said, Tom, you got to advertise tampons, I'd do it. I mean, it's, I don't, doesn't bother me. I'm one getting paid. We need to get us, get this podcast to be sponsored by a tampon company. Have you do the reads? Can, yeah. Can you imagine? That would be the, the, that would be the stupidest, most funny thing I would ever hear. I don't even know. I don't even know how that would read. I, I, it would be hilarious, though. That would be top tier comedy. Um, I, I mean, it could be, like I said, it could be anything. I, I, I would do a Jones. I would do a freaking hover round read if someone was paying me. I'll do, you know, I, it doesn't really matter what it is. I mean, I'll do any and all medications, even if it doesn't apply to me. Uh, you know. That's I'll do osteoporosis commercial if that's what makes the money. It really doesn't bother me. Mitch Lightfoot, go get that money. Get that junk. <laughs> get 1-800, get junk, yeah. Um, I would do uh, – I'd do a Viagra commercial. I mean, yeah. I mean, that one – I mean, Roman, I should be calling you. That, that little even funny ad read that you did, I mean, fake, but – welcome to the Roman halftime show. Let's see if they have enough stamina for the second half. That's comedy and that's gold. And that would sell. If I heard that on live TV, I would immediately go to Roman and buy a couple hard on pills, even though I don't need them. I'd just be like, ah, right, you know what? You, you got me sold. I got to support that. I'm glad that you, uh, you clarified that you don't need them. I mean, I, I mean, I would hope anybody listening realizes that I'm under 30 and I hope, hopefully I don't need them. I mean, maybe I'll try them and it'll be change my life. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of days I wake up. I don't have enough stamina for the rest of the day, but not in that way. So maybe they'll give me enough stamina for the second half of my day if it gets interesting. Good night. My God. Right? Oh, my gosh. Might as well have been the Tom Fullery second right there. Oh, uh, who is uh... – before we wrap up on this, who is an athlete, a college athlete right now that comes to mind that, you know, there's some endorsement out there that you just think they need to have something that just matches up in there. Uh, in there, a guy and man, I don't want to butcher this. I'm going to just check just to be sure. I think there is a, and I don't know who he plays for. Um, I got to check this. I got to check this before I embarrass myself. Okay. Yeah. He plays for, boom, he plays for Alabama. The kid's name is Kool Aid McKinstry. That's easy. 
Kool-Aid has to get him. That, right? That one's too easy. That has to happen. His literal name is Kool-Aid. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, oh, I guess, no. I guess it's his. It, that's his nickname, and he goes by it, I guess. But Quincy is his real name. But still, you gotta you, that that has to be it. I mean, that's that's the one that sticks out most to me. Who what sticks out most to you? Who's getting sponsored by Whataburger? Uh, man, uh, I, I hope it's not anybody to do with the University of Texas. Um, you know, they're not. Yeah, worthy, that's, that'll hurt. They are not worthy of Whataburger. Okay, they should go after UTSA. A couple of players from UTSA. <laughs> Oh man, I, I would I, I would view Waterburger as like the most valued one out there, and, and not just because I got it too. Um, humble brag. Um, I, I Team would, Waterburger. Yes, I, I would. I would like to see, you know, uh, somebody. You know, okay, here, here's one for you. So Raisin Canes has had some great commercials with Les Miles. And you know, Ed Orgeron over the years. Why don't we find some of these college kids and, and promote that hot chicken? You know, that hot chicken, hot chicken with combo you picking. You know, I mean, um, I don't know necessarily who would be the guy, but I think you could get creative with having uh, several college players promoting Raisin Cane's chicken. You know, and, and how they do things there. Oh yeah, you could. That'd be a that. You know, you could. I could just see the Instagram ads now. Hot chicken touchdown, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, what's going to happen? Let, let's say, uh, you know, what, what about your guy Spencer Sanders? What if he gets replaced by Shane Ellingworth? Is he going to start losing endorsements and such? I wonder. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. What if you're a, a you know quarterback? Someone takes your place. You know, had you know you don't want to pay somebody if they're not going to be on the field obviously right uh but you know maybe who knows maybe who's who's sponsoring the kickers i bet no one's going after the kickers and i am getting as many kickers as possible because for every touchdown that kicker's on the field for every kickoff that kicker's on the field uh i mean some kickers are punters i mean if you want to you know besides the quarterback if you want to get screen time with your player it's going to be yeah, the good bet is that's a dark horse candidate right there is the kicker. I'm going after the 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 best and the most I don't know Instagram presence worthy kicker, uh, and getting them because that your, your kicker's going to be on the screen. He's got to play every game. Oh, kickers don't get hurt. Okay, now I've got it. I've got to figure it out. Uh, and this pleases both of us. Uh, Cameron Dicker, the Texas kicker. <laughs> needs to be sponsored by Viagra or Roman. He should be. He sh that, I mean, see, that's an easy one. They have to. That's like uh, it should be a requirement. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, he, he kicks that ball 69 miles an hour. I mean. Right. He could do just a quick little read, you know, Look at the camera, kick it like a long-range field goal, and then just turn around and say, "Stay hard, Roman." <laughs> I mean, I mean, you could do it. Could be ridiculous. That's there's probably a good reason that I'm not in advertising because 
I would all my advertisements would have to be played like after 9 p.m. I don't envy Tom the compliance departments right now. No, because <laughs> you know they're getting hit with just stupid, the stupidest stuff. I get, I mean, I bet it's ridiculous. Some of the stuff that comes through, they're like, no, no, you can't say stay hard on Viagra commercial on live TV. Can't do it. Um, now, as far as the, the level of competition, we'll, we'll end on this before we get to top four right here. I think the best teams are still going to be the best teams, you know, that it's just going to be a little more obvious where they were getting their money from, per se. Um, but what does change the landscape is these states like Georgia who are saying that all the money's got to be evenly distributed among the athletes, that you don't get to keep all your money as opposed to states like, you know, California or Texas where, or Oklahoma where it all goes to you. Um, I, I don't see this changing who the best teams are uh, when it comes to what schools offer the most money. Now, Miami, everyone's getting paid. And, you know, Derek King is, uh, is sharing his money with everybody there. Maybe Miami comes out of the woodwork and starts being competitive again. But I don't really see huge changes in the landscape of this, of who's good and who's not. Uh, maybe a few things here and there. But I think that the cream will still rise to the top. It'll still be your Alabamas, Ohio States, Clemsons, Oklahomas, et cetera. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if, I mean now everybody can get that money. Uh, you know, it's not just a few schools can cash in on it. I, I think we're going to see who can – I mean, it's going to be part of recruiting. Who can put that athlete in the best position to make money? Uh, I mean, it would be like asking the question, who's in best position to win a national championship if that's what you want? Well, that's going to be the cream of the crop players. It's going to be the ones that everybody talks about. It's going to be Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, OU – I mean, you could throw LSU in there, probably USC. I mean, it's going to be the Blue Buds. Uh, they get the, the most national attention. More people are watching them. Therefore, more ad revenue, more business opportunities, more, you know, you can get more money going there. I mean, I don't, I don't blame them. If I, I mean, if you could just tell me, hey, you're going to make a shit ton of money and win a national championship, come to Alabama, okay, sold. Got me sold. Oh, and uh, also a guy like Arch Manning, uh, you know, Cooper's son, who's this phenom that everybody's been talking about. Can you imagine how much money Arch is going to get before he even plays the college game? It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's who I was thinking about that was going to make the $10 million. It'd be insane. But, you know, I mean, you get you, – you've heard a few players that said, hey, they're going to donate the money. Spencer Rattler said that. Or, you know, I'm going to distribute it equally long among my teammates. Okay, well, think about, okay, how many is on a team? Probably 70 players between everybody. You know, maybe 60. You got 85. Okay, so, yeah. Right, so distribute that equally among the team. Well, that's that's not a whole, whole lot. Right. I mean, right. I mean, unless you're making, you know, a million, then you'd sure distribute it. But, you know, if you're making $1,000 – are you going to really distribute that among 70 people? No. At least I hope not. Yeah. Everyone's making about, you know, 1150. Okay. I don't think so. All right. Yeah. It's a good point. 
All right, before we wrap up today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Jones, we're going out on the range. And uh, I saw this pop up and I was like, how? So let's see exactly where. Okay, so we're going to out on the range, but we're going east. We're going all the way to India. Uh, Title reads, this is from insider.com. A herd of drunk Indian buffaloes exposed a hidden stash of contraband liquor and got a group of farmers arrested. Uh, Three buffalo blew open their owner's hidden moonshine stash after getting drunk on the liquor. Uh, A couple bullet points. says three Indian farmers were arrested for selling illegal alcohol after a herd of buffalo got drunk on the moonshine. They were reported by a vet who noticed that water in the buffalo's trough had turned yellowish. It turns out the bottle bottles of liquor had been hidden in the trough three tipsy buffaloes blew the cover of an illegal liquor stash in india after getting drunk from water in a trough that hid moonshine bottles police seized a total of 101 bottles of liquor from the buffalo stable and arrested three farmers in the illegal selling of alcohol in the dry state of I'm gonna butcher this sorry if anybody knows this and i don't waharat uh, reported the times of india on wednesday One of the farmers had called a vet when the buffaloes stopped eating and started frothing at the mouth. The next day, the buffaloes began jumping around willy-nilly and continued frothing, prompting, frothing, prompting the farmers to call another vet, according to the Times. The second vet noticed a strange smell coming from the trough and discovered that the water inside had turned yellow. Farmers told him the color was from branches falling into the water, but the vet reported them to the authorities after leaving the stable. When the cops raided the stable, they found bottles of vodka, whiskey, and other liquor worth around $430 tucked inside the trough and under some fodder. The animals probably drank the water laced with liquor from the damaged liquor bottles, said the police, uh, adding that the buffaloes have since recovered from their drunken ordeal. Jones, when I get out of jail, are you killing the buffaloes? Yeah, absolutely. That's the only choice. I'm eating them. I'm eating them and drinking the rest of the liquor they didn't find. I think that's the only way. They had it come first. <laughs> somebody, somebody on Reddit put, "Was it Buffalo Trace?" <laughs> I wish. Have you had Buffalo Trace, Jones? I have not. I'm pretty sure it's made here in Oklahoma. It's pretty solid. It's it's overpriced because everyone's trying to get it. But these buffaloes had no problem getting drunk. I mean, you think about a buffalo, Tyler. Huge. You know, these look like water buffaloes, not the American bison. Um, these look, yeah, like water buffaloes is what this looks like. Um, huge. That's like, a, they're weighing way over a thousand pounds. They have to. How much are they drinking to get lit? I mean, granted, their alcohol tolerance probably isn't high, but it's still going to take a little bit to get that whole body drunk. Right. I mean, 101 bottles of liquor seeds from the uh, the uh, stable. Why are they hiding it there? Right. That that the that's the worst place to hide it. Why wouldn't you hide it in your house? Like a normal person, <laughs> put it under the floorboard. Put it in the attic. Put it anywhere else but a freaking buffalo trough. Well, why? That's nasty. Johnny Bridges, your father, is not putting his moonshine in. No, that's in the garage freezer. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, he he broke it. I don't know where he got it. He broke it out for the 4th of July, and we sipped a little sip. He's been mixing it with Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew? Okay. Yeah. He I, he didn't drink a whole lot of it, um, but he did have it, and it was ice cold. It was in a... Uh, it was uh it was in a uh one of those like grape grape juice bottles like a grape juice plastic gallon bottle that you get from Walmart. You know, uh, they say Red Bull gives you wings. I wonder what this liquor gave the Buffalo. Probably a good time. <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine if they tasted it and didn't like it, they probably wouldn't continue to drink it. They were sipping. Uh, you know, and, and obviously drinking up all the liquor. I, I don't know what the penalty over there in India is for that. I have yeah. no clue. I mean, what do you I mean? In the in, It's obviously in a dry state. So, you know, obviously people are still making moonshine. Right. Oh, that's good. You know, uh, Tom, I, I, until no I was in middle school, I didn't realize that buffalo didn't have wings. I, I thought that chick- that uh, buffalo wings came from buffaloes. Oh my gosh! Well, they might have. They're gonna. They're gonna try to make some buffalo wings out of if they get out of there. You you got all this moonshine, and you first place to put it. First off, they probably already knew what the deal was when the vet first came because he came a second time and then reported him. the first time of school and they're like oh that's just the branches in the water okay well now the vet is concerned about your buffaloes <laughs> and you know that there's a chance that he could say something about it so take those bottles out and move them somewhere else or or find the bottle that's doing it take that bottle out dump the trough and refill the trough come on come on come on I mean, they they should be jailed. That's just pure. It, that's the worst thing. That's I could have thought of a million and a half different places to hide liquor. I've done it. Um, and I, I would never be like, oh, you know where there's a great place is? In the bottom of a water bowl. Okay. No. Right? I would never put it there. I mean, if you're going to hide it, under the bed is a great place. In a secret drawer is another great place. You know, you got 101 of them. Okay, if you don't have a basement, fine. Attic. Most houses have an attic. Or, you know, and it, I'm, it's over in India somewhere, and farmers, I don't know what the kind of, Do you, you know, think the economy the is over there. notice, like, the way they figured this out was how funny the buffalo were acting? I mean, you would think. And I'm sure, I mean, moonshine, I mean, that's a strong smell. You're going to know that smell. Yeah. You're not just going to be like, oh, I mean, unless it's just, you know, I don't know. It could be masked by the buffalo poop. I, I don't know. But I'm not. Why would you hide it there? I, I If I spoke, you know, Hindi or Urdu or what, you know, whatever they speak, I would try to call them and be like, hey, guys, listen, I'm going to send you guys some money because I feel bad. But I'm going to need y'all to explain the rationale hiding the liquor where you did. Yeah. Because that is tomfoolery. No one. I, I mean, there's got to be so many other people making liquor. And obviously the police know. It's a dry county, dry state. People are going to do it anyway. If nobody else is getting caught, putting it in their house or in the barn or anywhere else, 
Why would you put it in the water stuff? Have you ever encountered a buffalo? Uh, I have. Wool rock. I encountered right. them in a Yellowstone, and uh, those were those were some beasts. See, it would take you would think it would take probably a decent amount of moonshine to get a buffalo drunk. So I wonder how much of the product they were drinking. They were sipping it on up. Now you, you know now now they don't have an owner. Now they're in owners in jail. No more moonshine to drink. I mean, sounds sounds like a bad time. Oh, speaking of drunken animals, uh, the other day I was on the golf course, Tom. I got interrupted by a deer running on the course. What the hell? Oh, where? Oh, in Omaha? Yeah. Just right out in the middle of the fairway? Yeah. I guess it's better than the street. I wanted to just like, just go at it with uh, my my driver, just for, just for you, uh, for how you feel about deer. Oh, you know how, yeah. You know exactly. Hitting deer is no joke. But deer, listen, buffalo can get drunk and deer might act drunk, but I'm I am I am hundred percent in on the fact that deer are just just very depressed or suicidal. They don't care about their life whatsoever. <laughs> that explains that has to be it. Oh man. On that note, we will uh, get out of here. Uh, it's been a fun show today here at the Jones Support. As always, subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, and Thomas underscore Bridges at TJ Media Group, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, and uh, we will see you right back here next week. I believe we're going to be on a little bit earlier next week. Uh, Tom, you're off to Cabo. Have a, a good time, my friend. Bo is going to keep the seat warm for you next week while you're enjoying yourself. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Uh, I, I want to hear, uh, I want to hear all about this. Uh, Bo, Bo and I both have already said, you're not going to be safe uh, in Mexico. We, we know that's going to happen. Just don't die on us. Come back alive, please. Right. I might, what I might do is I might just, stay there and set up karaoke or dj down there and i'll we'll just start doing the i'll just start doing the show live from a live from some resort we'll call it the uh, the honus report all right there you go gone fishing maybe i'll see uh maybe i'll see kevin durant or patrick beverly down in cancun yeah maybe uh Kawhi. everybody yeah should be a good time yeah for Thomas yeah, Brent, I guess we'll find out. Brian O'Connor, uh, Brent Conway, thanks to him for stopping by and joining us. I'm Tyler Jones. We'll see you right back here next week here on the Jones Report. So long, everybody. <laughs>